Pete. It's the season two finale. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Yeah, boy. The 14th overall episode. Did you know that? Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Which is annoyingly not, like, even around, like, figure, like, 10 or 15 I could have dealt with, but 14 is not really a milestone. (laughs) Do you not think? It's better than, like, the Netflix Marvel shows that had 13 episodes. That did my head in. Yeah, but at least that has some kind of relevance to, like, it has a meaning. Like, it's unlucky. 14 doesn't mean anything. I don't I don't think the Netflix Marvel shows chose 13 because it's unlucky. Well, they're all cancelled. <laughs> you've got me there, Dan. You've got, <laughs> me, you've got me on that one. I've got you. Welcome, <laughs> everybody, to the finale of season two. Tell me Hello again. there. Uh, we are doing... Should we do... Should we inst- well, everyone will know if they've clicked on the episode. We're doing Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Um, you didn't keep that very secret. No, I did not. It was not in, not with my chamber to do so. That was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't really have a joke when I started that, and halfway through I was like, I know where I'm going, and this is going to be bad. And then it finished, <laughs> and it was it was bad. But we are doing the sex tape. Don't know where I'm going, and I know it's going to be bad. But let's go there anyway. <laughs> yeah, that is hauntingly accurate. <laughs> Um, the 1998 book by J.K. Rowling to the 2002 film directed by, do you know this? Uh, Chris ex- Columbus. Yes, it's an excellent name. I reckon he got bullied, yeah. bullied at school for being named after an historical figure. Hey, Chris, why don't you go discover the toilets while I <laughs> shove your head down them? But that's what they said. Uh, I was going to say he could mislabel a corridor or something, because they did, yeah. didn't he call... Yeah, your burn was better. Never mind. Yeah. Moving on. You don't need to prove to me that you can. You, know you can tell that Pete was a bully in school, can't you? With with <laughs> awesome quips like that. I would because like you. We got lost. I would like you to trigger the theme tune by asking it to enter in parcel tongue. Roughly what I would have said as well. That, that's, that's like straight from the film. Yeah, that's what, he, think, that's what he says to the the snake in the dueling scene, isn't it? Yeah. When he saves the raving Tory Justin Finch Fletchley, <laughs> which is like the most raw Tory name <laughs> ever. Hello, I'm Justin Finch Fletchley. I was on the list for Eaton, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. He fucking, he fucking deserved it just by being rich. <laughs> but in muggle money. Um, yeah. Do you know the year gap? between the book and the film knowledge of maths from uh, what you were saying earlier uh, it's four years it is four years and do you remember what I said I was going to do last episode I don't what was the point of me saying it I've done it all now <laughs> <laughs> it was I was going to work out the average of um, oh, yeah. source material to adaptation because like there was a free where I was like 26 years that seems like it's the longest we've done yet on like Karate Kid and then and then they all seem <laughs> and then they all seem to like 26 years so I've done this so 14 episodes Civil War so what I've done is I've give, taken the year that the original was and then to the year that the first adaptation was made that we spoke about so yes. Civil War from comic to film was 9 years American Idiot from 
album to musical was five years. Watchmen, from graphic novel to film, was 22 years. Go with a Dragon Tattoo, from book to, I did the um, Swedish film, four years. Philosopher's Stone, three years. Phantom Menace, I put zero years, because it was like a matter of weeks. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't Didn't quite the book sure. come out first? Yeah, and I wasn't quite sure how to do the maths on that one. Christmas Carol, this is really messing with the average, 149 years. Super Bowl 55, zero years. Fifty Shades of Grey, four years. The Killing Joke, 28 years. Karate Kid, 26 years. The Witcher, 26 years. Beauty and the Beast, you guessed it. 26 years? 24, no, 26 years. Uh, <laughs> Chamber, Chamber of Secrets, four years. That gives us an average of... 21.86 years. 21.86 was that? Yes. So that's, that's how... fine, because the, um, the, uh, the Christmas Carol fucking up the average was probably evened out quite nicely by Super Bowl and Phantom Menace being zero years. So Although they, they won't have affected years. it at all, I don't think. I, I'm not quite sure. Well, how they will have done, because it was two, two entries at zero. Well, true, but if, that, if I would have put in like 0.25, like a quarter of a year, it would have dragged it down even more. But well, I didn't want to yes. do that because that I felt, that felt weird. <laughs> but yeah, so so this one at four years, uh, really well dra- is, is way under average. Well, there was there was quite a lot that you said that was four years, four years difference. Fifty Shades was four years. Fifty that, Shades, I that one. Dragon Tattoo, and this and Philosopher's Stone was only three years. But yeah, this one came out in two thousand and two. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And in, do you know what book they were up to in the in the in the real world? Oh, I could work that out. Um, uh, they were up. To, were they up to book five? Uh, no. So, um, Order of the Phoenix. No, it was Goblet of Fire had been published, which makes you think. Do you think J.K. Rowling was like felt under pressure when she was writing the later books? Cause, oh shit! I need to catch up. But they've got they've got a film to make. I need <laughs> I need to write the the story. Um, maybe. I don't know. Well, films normally take. I know, I know these first two or three Harry Potters only took like a year. Yeah. To to make, but because films normally of, take about two years to make. Most of it was in the castle, so all the set was already there. So they could really have fired them out, but they had to wait for the source material to be finished. I'm just wondering. I've just got images of her sitting like in a, in a hotel room, sweating at like a a computer, going, "I need to write this fucking book." <laughs> Kids You've, are lying uh, on me. You've not watched Game of Thrones, have you? No, I've not. Well, apparently the the author uh, sat down with the showrunners and was like, this is what I've got planned in the books. These are the, the main story beats that are going to happen in the books. And I think the screenwriters were, yeah, were like, yep, yeah, cool, great. We're going to do like three of these things, three of these bullet points that you've given us. And then they got <laughs> bored, I think, of doing Game of Thrones. They got bored and it got too expensive. So they rushed the last series and it was shit. And that's why everyone was sad last year, or the year before, whenever it I think was. It was the year before, was it? I think yeah. it was roughly around then as well. It's mad how like the the legacy of a whole show just got ruined by those like last six episodes because like it was raved about as like this amazing TV show, and then the last six episodes happened, and and now no one no one rewatches it. Like we were in a pandemic last year, and no one was raving about rewatching that. Yeah, I, I, I actually weirdly had lots of people telling me that they rewatched all the Harry Potter films. <laughs> Coincidentally, it just seemed to because because to me maybe it's because they're always on at Christmas. They remind me of Christmas. Yeah, and there's always a big Christmas scene in it. Yeah, somewhere there's always about ten minutes of the film that's set at Christmas. 
when I went to the studio tour in Watford, um, it was around Christmas, so all of the studio was still dressed for Christmas, and it was the coziest oh. thing. <laughs> it was awesome. That sounds amazing. It was, it was a ma- massive Christmas tree as you go in. I've not been since the Forbidden Forest was there, but I think we spoke about this in the last Harry Potter episode, and you were like, it's "Did not, we? It's not very good." Yeah, no, it's not. It's not amazing. It's like half a forest. That, <laughs> like the front of the forest. But it's it's topical with what we're talking about now because the main attraction is uh, the bit when Aragog pushes himself out of the ground, and you know the, oh, the okay. big animatronic shows up. That's what the Forbidden Forest does at the, See, the I studio tour. I couldn't tell. Ground during that scene if that was an animatronic or not because the whole film is like quite dark like visually so and I was yeah. watching it in the day and even though the curtains were drawn I was struggling to see that Forbidden Forest scene I was like what the fuck is that I could see Aragog's <laughs> eyes but that was pretty much it it's pretty creepy but this is the first That's film I, I think in, in the series of films like the first the Philosopher's Stone movie is very bright and this one still has that feel but is a little bit darker I reckon the next one, Prisoner of Azkaban, is the one where they, where they start whacking the blue-grey filter on everything. And yeah, and they, to... they change some of the castle sets around. And, yeah. Uh, they change some of the uh, the costumes around, and, and Dumbledore dresses more bleak. He dresses in a grey nighty instead of colourful nighty. Yeah. And we lose... Uh, this, this, is, this, this movie in particular is extra sad because it's Richard Harris's last... His swan song as Dumbledore. And he's still my Dumbledore. Yeah, I, I was going to say he's mine too. I is it Michael Gambon that takes? Yeah, I never really talked to Michael Gambon's Dumbledore. He's all right, but he's not. He's not as magical. He sounds as, Irish. He's Irish and aggressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's not as he's not as magical. Like he doesn't dress in the, the same magical way. Like he, he doesn't. He doesn't seem as wise either. He doesn't seem that kind mm. of headmaster who can like like my head teacher at high school. You felt like he could read your mind just by looking at you. He just had that like that quality about him. And Dumbledore has that too. Well, yeah. Richard Harris is Dumbledore. Richard Harris is Dumbledore. The Gambon one always seems like hungover and annoyed to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was gutted when he died. And to be fair, he had big shoes to fill because Richard Harris is just Dumbledore. He played it brilliantly. And Michael Gambon decided to shout every line he had. <laughs> which yeah. was uh, an interesting choice. Why did you put your name in a Goblet of Fire? <laughs> we'll get to that, though, when we do the Goblet of Fire episode. Yeah, we I saw we'll a, talk great, about that. a great meme of that the other day, which uh, <laughs> I don't think I sent you. Because I joined that Harry Potter shitposting group, as I've been bugging your head with, sending you them all. Yeah, se- sending me, yeah, lots and lots of memes. And they are hilarious. So, should we dive in? Head first. Head first. Uh, I don't really have a lot on the intro, because I think it's very similar. Apart from you see Harry do much less gardening <laughs> in in, yeah. in the movie than you do in the in the book. He gardens for quite a long time in the book, and it's like, ooh, more gardening yeah. pages, please. Presumably the gardening is already finished by the time the film starts. But yeah, the, the film starts in the evening just before Uncle Vernon's magical meeting. Well, much to his chagrin, he did not want it to be yeah. a magical meeting. No, he wanted it to be a very um, Michael Gambon-esque meeting. <laughs> in fact, he got a Richard Harris meeting. Um, but it, in in that garden scene, Harry sees Dobby for the first time in the book. He sees his eyes yeah, in the his, bush. His, his yellow tennis ball eyes, which they are like just normal human eyes in, in, the, in the movie. Yeah, they're just big anime eyes, aren't they? Yeah. In the movie. I, like I do the like movie. the design of Dobby, though. I think that's like perfect. Yeah, exactly. Was, how I can't remember what it was, but I do, I do remember reading it, and there was one point 
It was probably his eyes, to be honest, but the rest of it was, was spot on what I was... And his big ears and his big imagining. nose. The CGI interaction between Daniel Radcliffe and Dobby as well is perfect. It is. It's, it's decent, isn't it? I, Considering I it's like a 19-year-old film. I know. Like, there's a point where Dobby moves moves a chair so he could sit on, and Dobby doesn't need to move that chair. Like, if they wanted to do the CGI a little bit easier, yeah. they could have had Dobby not move the chair and they could have not had Harry, like, show Harry trying to wrestle the, the lamp off Dobby um, or pick him up from, a, like, a, the scruff of his neck. Yeah. But it, it the interaction works really, really well, and I, I wasn't sort of nitpicking it, but I couldn't see any... Well, like, I was I was watching it, because th- when I watched oldish films like that, I'm just trying to catch it out and just, oh, let's see how... <laughs> like, have you, have you seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, not in... Years and years and years. There's a lot of interaction between... That was a, obviously a very groundbreaking film, so they were kind of like um, pioneers of that. But it looks great, but there are certain points where you're like, I can tell that someone interacting with an actor that they've drawn over or whatever. Um, this didn't look like that at all. It looked really good. Considering this is the same studio that struggled a lot to paint out Henry Cavill's moustache in the Justice League. <laughs> Some 15 years afterwards as well. Yeah, like, granted, faces are, you know, you notice it a lot more on a face, but, it is, you know, it was still much worse of a job than they did with Dobby <laughs> years and years before. <laughs> the next note that I have. It's more of a, it's more of a character note more than, more than a comparison or anything, because it is consistent across the two. Why is Vernon, so, Uncle Vernon, so intent on stopping Harry from leaving. I get it's like an irrational hatred of him and he just wants him to like be as miserable as possible, but surely he'd rather him go away to Hogwarts for most of the year than have him in the house and be worried about... No, but then Harry gets to be happy and he gets to live his weird magical life. Yeah, I he guess. Gets to, he gets to fulfil and be a wizard, which like is everything Uncle Vernon hates. So I think that's why he's intent room. on... Just locking him in the room. You are not going to be happy because you're a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I think is his is his belief. Um, the way that he gets woken up as well, or the Dursleys get woken up. So in the book, um, George and Fred come in and they sneak downstairs to get Harry's. George and Fred. I know. I, it was the wrong <laughs> way around. It's like saying Woody and Buzz. It's just oh, uh. Deck and Ant. Um, <laughs> the Weasley twins go downstairs and take the trunk from underneath. Well, Harry's whole old bedroom. Yeah, and they're covered under the stairs. Yeah, and that uh, is what wakes them up. Whereas pulling the bars off the window, they sleep soundly through. But they made it mm. much more believable in the film by yanking metal bars off of their brick wall. And they go, what? And wake up, and that's where they try and grab him. Yeah, or is it Hedwig squealing that wakes them up in the in the book? I can't remember. I know he forgets Hedwig, doesn't he? So he goes, oh, shoot, I forgot my owl. <laughs> I think you're paraphrasing there, but yeah, he essentially does go, oh shit, I forgot my owl. Um, And he nearly gets captured. It's more, it's more cinematic, it works better as in a film. A lot of the car scenes are like that. Having Vernon fall out of the window, for example, which he doesn't do in the book. It's more exciting, it makes, it makes, it's for a funny thing. I guess it's a bit like jumping ahead, won't go into it too much, but jumping ahead, the, the flying car, Chasing the Hogwarts Express. That is a really boring scene in the book. Yeah. And it's supposed to be because nothing happens. But something exciting happens in it. Yeah, there's loads of big, cinematic. Like, swirly car, like loop-de-loops, and Harry falls out and he's just hanging on. And it's like I a- hate shit like that. You know, that's like 
30 minutes into the film and we are actually supposed to believe that the main character is going to die 30 minutes into a, into a film. I hate th- things like that. Well, no, but it's just, it, you know, it's better than just seeing... Like you said, it's better than just seeing it fly alongside the train going, are we nearly there, Harry? It's a bit warm now. I don't know what I want from that scene, but I didn't want Harry almost dying, in air, air quotes. Well, he would have magically survived. He is a wizard. <laughs> I, think a Joe, I think during that car scene that both of the actors had a sore throat. Because they both sound really raspy, and I don't know why. I just assumed they were both ill. Because what is it Ron says? He he says something, and he's like, and like really voice-breaky. Like, I get they were probably going through puberty at the time. But Harry (laughs) also sounds like that, and then they're fine for the rest of the film. Maybe the point in that is that they're supposed to be dehydrated. They didn't pack any water. Because they wow. get all thirsty and sticky if in the book. If that's what they were doing, then that's that's a deep cut of a reference. Because they don't say, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm thirsty, Harry. You just have to take the implication. Say, saying to a 12-year-old kid, saying to a 12-year-old kid, play this next scene dehydrated. <laughs> no other scenes are you to play dehydrated. But this one scene, play it dehydrated. If you can throw uh, thirsty in there as well. Awesome. <laughs> Just I know, a note. I know I have as well, which is, I think, a big omission that could have been really cool, and I'm not sure if it's in future films. So, you know, when they go to the burrow, and the burrow scene is pretty b- verbatim in terms of... Yeah, yeah. There's not really difference. It's, it's, it's squidged down. He's in the burrow for, like, three minutes, isn't yeah. he? But it, yeah. And you do, I, guess you do, I guess you don't get the gnome-tossing sequence. Oh, I love the gnome-tossing sequence. I've mentioned in another one of... The our game. episodes, haven't I? The, yeah. the game, and that is like my uh, in, enduring memory of that game, <laughs> is throwing gnomes over the fence. Before we carry on and go any further, I made a note uh, from the, the escape from the Dursleys. So, Ron... Oh, no, actually, no, sorry, I'll get back to this. It's not the, at the escape from the Dursleys, it's after they get locked out of nine and three quarters. We'll get back to that, though. Do I say it now in case you forget it? Can do. <laughs> Uh, so they get locked out of nine, nine and three quarters uh, and they have the idea to go and get the car, don't they? Ron opens the boot of the car with a tap of his wand and that I made a little note, like, wouldn't an immediate owl come through just like it did for Harry? Wouldn't an immediate owl come through telling him to not use magic or he'll get expelled from school? Um, I mean, is Surely it a, he uses magic. Is and it then a spell a, a, or is it, it a just, ma- yeah. is it a magic activated lock? Wand activated lock. It's obviously it's a spell. He doesn't. <laughs> he say uses it. a spell. He doesn't say anything. He uses magic though, and it's not about using a spell. It's about using magic in the Muggle world, and he's in a Muggle car park in the middle of a Muggle city. Maybe it's just a pressure activated boot, and it's and not a lot of pressure. So and he likes being flashy. So he just <laughs> it's, it's like it's it's like when you go through a door and you pretend an automatic door and you pretend to use the force to open it. Ron's doing that, but he's pretending to use magic. Because he knows he can't. Canon. That's canon now. <laughs> I concede. You can have that one. That was a good explanation. You can have it. Well done. I'll strike that off my notes. <laughs> um, yeah, what I was going to say was during the... When they use the flu the flu uh, powder to get to Diagon Alley, and you don't see the flu transit. Yeah. He just appears in, in Borgen and Burks, and that could have been really cool. That could have been, like, hyperspace in Star Wars. Yeah, like, where he sees all the different fireplaces. Yeah. It could have been a really it, iconic it moment. Cool. But I think that whole Borgen and Burks sequence is just a bit pointless. 
Yeah, you don't get to uh, see the Malfoys like you do in the, the books. There's, there's no point to it. There's a, the, the point of that Borgen and Burke scene in the film, uh, the book, sorry, is that you know that the Malfoys have all these dark materials and Mr. Malfoy's trying to get rid of them for, for so that he doesn't get caught With in them. these raids. But that doesn't happen in the film. That whole raid thing is, is only... Yeah, it doesn't um, at all. It's it's mentioned like once, which means that that noct- that whole Nocturne Alley scene is just pointless. Harry may as well not have gone into Nocturne Alley. Yeah, because he doesn't learn anything from it. Nothing comes from that scene, and the only reason that it's in the film is that it's in the book. But they've changed its purpose in the film. Yeah, well, it doesn't and have made a purpose other yeah. than him getting and, grabbed and, by the hand. <laughs> That's pretty much which, it. yeah, which comes to absolutely nothing because he just yanks his hand out. Yeah. And he's fine, and then he runs into Hagrid, and then he's fine, and in the space of about 90 cinematic seconds, he's back to where he should be, as opposed to the entire chapter that I think is called Nocturne Alley in the book. I guess he also sees Hagrid there, though, and like at one point Hagrid is the suspect of being the heir of Slytherin. And they're like, well, what was Hagrid doing in Nocturne Alley? And he's like, oh, he was buying flesh-eating slug repellent. So it's, I guess it casts a little bit of doubt on Hagrid's character, but that's it. The funniest thing is they get back to not to Diagon Alley and in the book that like the Weasleys are like panicking, going, Where's Harry? Where's Harry? Dusting him off like, Oh, thank God you're here. And in the film <laughs> in the film they're just waiting in Flourish and Blots uh, Flourish and Blots waiting for uh, Lockhart signing and they're like, Oh, there you are, Harry. We hoped you'd only yeah. gone one grade too far. But they hadn't actually, they didn't actually <laughs> looked for him. About him in the slider. Yeah. They're like, Oh, you're here now, it's fine. There's uh, there's no fight in that uh bookshop either that would have been cool seeing a fight between uh mr malfoy and mr weasley they have a fight at the end don't they just because they're being mean to each other that's when in the book i think miss uh mr malfoy is supposed to slip the diary into Ginny's cauldron whereas in the film you just see him pick up one book and put down two books in the back in the cauldron true yeah but in the well well first of all missing from that scene i would have loved to see uh, Hermione's parents that looking all sheepish and scared like they are in the book that would have been there could have been some really funny moments that come from that and um, yeah Harry gets the complete works off off of Lockhart and Lockhart doesn't make his announcement of I am going to be the defense against the dark arts teacher at Hogwarts <laughs> no he just shows up doesn't he yeah but like he installs himself in the in the book as Harry's like fame coach and there's loads of really funny moments where he's like oh <laughs> Harry you can't be going around offering signed pictures and like he always shows up at the wrong moment when it seems yeah. like Harry's boasting about his fame and it's dead funny yeah. and you don't get any in that, of that that scene in, in the, the courtyard film. Harry doesn't want to be in that picture like <laughs> yeah. the, the picture Harry doesn't want to be in it he's trying to leave the frame and yeah, Lockhart, you're too early in your in your uh, fame to be giving out signed pictures, Harry. <laughs> it is it is funny. There's a few times because like there's a bit where like they sit down at the back and 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 Ron says oh something about Harry Potter fan club and and then it says the last thing Harry wanted was for Lockhart <laughs> to hear the phrase Harry Potter fan club. <laughs> Potter fan club. <laughs> like oh, starting a fan club are we Potter? <laughs> you yeah. sounded like Malfoy then. I know. Yeah, that wasn't meant to be. Uh, but there's loads missing from that from that scene because they get because he gives this is what made my eye twitch a little bit in that they get <laughs> they get a list of books they need for the second year which are going to be specific to what they need in the second year uh, and they're all just all happen to be Lockhart books yeah which Harry then all gets from Lockhart so I'm like okay there's his books for the year he doesn't need them anymore but then he gives them all to Ginny in the book I was like no she's a first year what's she gonna do with them well she's still got um. 
Defence Against the Dark Arts as a lesson. Yeah, but not she'll have a different list of books that she needs. But she but they've all got they've all got the Lockhart books. Lockhart's made everyone buy his entire published works. Because it's on Fred and George's list, it's on Percy's list, it's on Ron's and Harry's. But if anything, if if the history of Defence Against the Dark Arts teachers has told them anything, is that by the time she gets to her second year, she won't need those books. <laughs> She'll need yeah, Remus she, Lupin books. She can sell them uh, for a profit because they're all signed. But he'll be outed as a hack by then. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Not knowing who he is. See? Plot holes. It's, <laughs> it's not really plot holes. Yes, I'm using the term plot hole frivolously again. <laughs> <laughs> Classic, what are, Dan. What are you going to do? But yet, when they arrive at Hogwarts, the Wampum Willow scene is awesome, but it's just like it is yeah. in the book. Ron's, um, Ron's wand snaps like a little bitch there in the film. <laughs> like, in in the in the book, like, in the, the crash and just what happens, it, it, you know, Ron's trying to hit the steering wheel while they're crashing, and then you don't hear about it for a page or so, and then um, it's broken. In the in the film, he like hits it about three times, and clearly he's already hit it maybe a little bit too hard on the trunk of the car when he was trying to get it started. Um, when he was pretending, when he was pretending the the pressure lock that Mister Weasley's installed, <laughs> uh, like a like a Riddler trophy in an Arkham game or something. Yeah, and um, he uh, it just it snaps like a little bitch after he hits the steering wheel a couple of times, which is a bit like a bit shit. They don't peek into the hall either, the great hall, where they see the sort and hat ceremony. But they also, when when they're threatened by Snape with um, being expelled, there's no refilling sandwich platter. Which <laughs> was a, a that's, huge that's loss. That's the biggest omission, the, the most criminal omission, actually, from the whole eight film. Bigger than Peeves. Saga. Is bigger than Peeves. It only stuck in my head, because like when I, when I was reading the book, there's something that really annoys me about when... Um, when authors use brackets to to communicate part of a sentence, because it seems like it, feel, it feels like they're trying to be too clever, like that like they're just whispering to you, then like even the whole book's to you. But that line—that is the entire point. Well, well <laughs> yeah, but don't use the brackets then. That's the point. Like, like um, the, the, the sentence was something like, "After Harry and Ron had had um, as much sandwich as they could eat in brackets, <laughs> the plate kept refilling itself." Close brackets. As like, just say that. Say that. It, say it as a fact. Like, there's another bit later on where it goes, um, uh, Harry. It's more exciting sentence structure, Dan. Harry went. The outside. whole point of the things in the brackets is that it's things that isn't. Im- it's not important to the sentence, but it's good additional information. Well, either put it in or it's leave just it out. Being a good author. No, I don't like brackets. They did, she did put it in. She put it in in brackets. No, it shouldn't be right because there's another bit later on. There's another example. I can't remember exactly, but it's something about Ron being reluctant. And Harry said, it says classic that, reluctant Ron. Like Harry went outside in brackets. Ron followed reluctantly. Just say Harry went outside with a reluctant Ron. That's all you need to do. There's no need for those brackets. Well, when you do your adaptation of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, <laughs> Secrets when you rewrite it, mm-hmm. uh, you can do that. You can take out all of the parentheses. And just write beige, oh, believe me. vanilla sentences. I, no, you right. You can be as colourful <laughs> and creative as you want without using a single bracket. Reel you in. Oh, you fucking reel you well. in. Triggered. <laughs> I feel like that um, the feminist meme where she's like, triggered. <laughs> you you look like it as well. I know. If only I'd have screenshot. It is me. Um, and then it, 
I guess it just cuts the herbology after then, but it's it's with the Slytherins instead of the Hufflepuffs, so you don't. Yeah, meet, it's it's with the whole school. Yeah, you don't meet Super Finch Fletcherly's there. I don't think he is. I could only see the Super Tory is there. Super Tory's there. Yeah, he is. It's um, it as well. Was is that scene switched with the um, uh, the breakfast and the howler? In the book, is the howler first, then herbology? Possibly, because I was thinking when and it comes to herbology, I feel book, like something's missing film. here. Yeah, that probably is right. Yeah, I think uh, they do. But yeah, in the, the herbology, in the book, it's just with an, un, an an amount of Gryffindors with an amount of Hufflepuffs. never really says how many are in each class. Um, It'll be all of the second years, because it says they have herbology with the Hufflepuffs. So it's like a double yeah. lesson. I only saw and Slytherins, then, uh, though, in the film. We, yeah, because I think it lingers on Malfoy, Crab and Goyle a bit more, but uh, Super Tory is there. And you hear the Mandrakes, which obviously you don't hear the Mandrakes in the book because it's... I know. <laughs> but, but, okay, it doesn't It doesn't just even describe what they sound like. It just says they have, you know, a deadly like scream. A or it can knock you out because they don't really babies. hear it, do they? Because they've got the magical earmuffs on. Yeah, yeah. I like, it. I like in the film when Neville faints... Uh, and uh, Professor Sprout's like, oh, looks like now uh, Longbottom's been um, neglecting his neglecting earmuffs. his earmuffs or something. And then Seamus is like, no, mom, he's just fainted. And then she's like, okay, well, um, just leave him there. Yeah. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. As it like, like it's almost like it's uh, like an improvised line where like yeah. she was just like told to riff with it, and she was like, oh, just leave him there. Anyway, <laughs> let's crack on. Always makes me laugh. It is good because it's the way Seamus looks down at him, like. Okay, I'll I'll leave him there. He's he's fine. <laughs> like fine, better start repotting these mandrakes, so to speak. <laughs> um, Have you made that sex sexual? I, I make everything sexual. Yep, other than sex. Speak. <laughs> I make yeah. I make that famously <laughs> unsexy. <laughs> Clothes stay on during sex. <laughs> the Nimbus two thousand and one reveal. Well, first of all, in the book, it takes place at, like, 5am when they're practicing on the Quidditch pitch. And the, the, sl- yeah. the Slytherins come on, like, we've reserved the pitch. It's just, it's just in, like, that courtyard area in the film, isn't it? Yeah, which annoys me. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the slug curse doesn't happen then in the book. It happens later on. Ron says, eat slugs. But he, he just says it as an insult. I think he doesn't, he doesn't do a curse. It does happen out on the Quidditch pitch. It does because that's the whole reason why they go to Hagrid, because Hagrid's closest. Okay, yeah, it does. But the, there, there is a point earlier in the book where he tells Malfoy to eat slugs, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, he's going to do foreshadowing. He's going to do the curse," <laughs> and then he didn't. Whereas in the, in the film, eat slugs is apparently the spell that you have to say <laughs> to make someone eat slugs. Yeah, not even but eat so, a sluggus. <laughs> going back to to why why that scene annoys me, it's not just because they've changed location stupidly. But it's because they've changed location stupidly. It doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> so in the in the the book, it's out on the Quidditch pitch. Ron casts a spell on himself accidentally because his wand's broken, and the closest pe- the co- closest person to them, the closest adult to them, is Hagrid. So they go to Hagrid's hut. In the film, it happens in the middle of school. I've, wait, sorry, I've never in thought of it of like that before. It is literally, oh my god, we need an adult. Hagrid's nearby. <laughs> That's yeah. what it is, isn't it? Whereas in the film. They're in the in school in the fucking castle where there's a hospital in the castle, and they still think, "Oh fuck, let's take him to mm-hmm. Hagrid's." And the, again, the only reason that I think there's a couple of they, notes that I've made along this vein. 
that things are just happening in the film because they happened in the book, but they've changed the reason why it's happening in the film to the point where it doesn't make yeah. sense. It doesn't make sense that they've gone to Hagrid's because of where that scene is set. Like, it would make it goes, sense them to go to Madame Pomfrey. It goes back a little it, bit to it, what it, we were it saying. Makes, in... It makes that Hagrid scene, sorry. It makes that Hagrid scene pointless because they shouldn't, they shouldn't be there. They should be in Madame Pomfrey's hospital wing. Well, they you only could go just to make... Hagrid's place because they go to Hagrid's place in the book. You could also make the excuse that they felt comfortable with Hagrid and it's an animal problem and Hagrid's good with animals. It's weak, but, you know, it still makes sense. But <laughs> it's, it can, very, it's very weak. It goes back a little bit to what we were saying in the last Harry Potter episode, which we did in season one, which if you haven't, pause this podcast, go listen to that whole podcast, and then come back and yeah, listen to that spoilies. one. Yeah, you'll get spoilies. You'll get spoilies. Yeah, if you're watching Harry Potter along with the podcast, then <laughs> you're way behind the times, but still. Um, where we were saying the first one, they tried to put every single thing into the film but it wasn't to a detriment. It just still worked. It was just a little bit long. Mm. This is the bad version of what, of what they were trying to do last time, this movie. They try and put yeah. too much in, but they leave good stuff out. I, I'll i say it now. They should have put the Death Day Party scene in this I, film. Oh, release the Death Day Party cut, <laughs> honestly. Release the Death Day Party cut. That is 100%. such a balling scene. I know. And I know, I know it goes nowhere. I know the pacing of the film would have stopped dead. <laughs> But it's an amazing scene. It's an awesome scene. It's great. I love it. And I'm yeah. It's I, all, I was, I was it's all comic when relief. I was a kid. It's nothing but comic relief. That scene. It's 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 world building as well. Like there's a lot of more world building in this. I feel that J.K. Rowling obviously had a success in book one, and then starts to world build now. Like she's got racial slurs. She's got <laughs> death day parties. All stuff like that. I have a I have a strong point of contention or strong observation I should say when you say world world building so nearly headless Nick is in the corridor reading a ghost letter yep do ghosts have some kind of ghost postal service or like a a, a ghostal service if you will a ghostal service because I, I love it because ghost he, post. He's, he's reading a letter that is also a ghost and Harry comes up and is like oh read this and he reads it and then he puts the ghost letter back into his ghost pocket are there there ghost postmen who deliver ghost mail ghost Uh, post yep yep there are how deep does the ghost world go in Harry Potter that's never addressed like what like is there like a ghost government (laughs) do do the ghosts have to have to can they vote I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, is there a ghost government? Can the ghost vote? Are there ghost criminals? And if if so, are there ghost jails? My God. J.K. Rowling's probably put a tweet out about this somewhere. It builds a quite nightmarish uh, image of what the ghost universe is like. I would like to see that. How does a ghost stop a ghost? In a six-part Netflix miniseries. Could, Could, if that's the case... The Headless Hunt all have swords. Could they not use their ghost swords to finish cutting off nearly Headless Nick's head? Uh, pr- presumably, but maybe there's um, maybe they just don't want to. They do <laughs> seem they do seem quite dickish. When you uh, think when you think though that you have John Cleese playing nearly Headless Nick, he would have been perfect to do. That would have been like a big sketch a John Cleese sketch that that, <laughs> that Dead Day Party scene. It would have been like Ministry of Funny Walks or. You know, one of those things. It would have been so funny. But instead, the only thing that made it in, the extra scene that they added in, which I hated, which we're jumping forward a little bit, is that weird homework club scene. Do you know which one I mean? 
I, I know exactly. Just before they find uh, yeah. Super Tory. So they're doing it to make sure that they, all the audience knows that Harry's a suspect and everyone, all eyes are on him and people are looking to make sure, oh, what's he going to do? Like, we're suspicious of him. But where are they? What are they doing? They're not in class because there's no teacher there. So he just gets up and leaves. Why aren't, no, they, why aren't they just doing Snape that there? their homework? Isn't in... Snape walking up and down? Well, no, because he would have gone, oh, Potter, fucking sit down. You can't get up and leave my class. <laughs> Ten points from Gryffindor. Yeah, and he just gets Dick up and what? leaves. And they go, I'll see you back in the common room. And they're like, all right, yeah. why not do your homework in the common room? I think That was a stupid scene. In the, in the book, I, I don't think I, I was going to make a note about that, but I, I didn't in the end. Um, I think he, I think they were in the library. They're in the library doing something in the it book. It doesn't look like the library. And he leaves to... I can't, I can't oh, no, remember yeah. why he goes separately. Because you hear everyone he, hears, he hears Super Tory down one of the um, aisles in the library talking about him. So he kind of like plays with them and, and goes out and he goes, oh, were you talking about me? And they turn around like, <gasps> and they jump because they think he's the heir of Slytherin. I think that that's a slightly different scene, but he does, it, and it's a different Super Tory. It's uh, what is, he's, he's called Ernie McMillan. Yes. It's a different... I imagine he's a super Tory. Are you implying all Hufflepuffs are Tories? No. He just... He's called Ernie McMillan. Ernest McMillan. Like, of course he's a Tory. All Tories end up in Hufflepuff, but not all Hufflepuffs are Tories. Uh, no! <laughs> We've been through this. I don't know what that means. <laughs> you should know you are both a Hufflepuff and a Tory. I am not a Tory. Do not put that out there. <laughs> you are um, the Robin to super Tory. <laughs> Boy wonder. I hate that. Just you don't worry. Everyone needs to Super continue Tory. to listen to us. I'm not a Tory, and you're austerity lad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the anti-Robin Hood, stealing from the poor and giving to the rich, taking from the rich and just passing it along to more rich people. <laughs> taking it from the poor and actually just and keeping it in my g- own pocket, giving them excessive tax relief. <laughs> Um, what were we talking? We jumped forward, and I had another point to make. What was it? Um, we were at the death day party. That's where we were before you jumped ahead. We weren't. I think that's where we jumped. Oh, it was. It was when they were in um, Hagrid's cabin, oh, and, yeah. and Hermione in the film knows what mudblood means. Yeah. Sorry for my language, listeners. Um, Just say the M word. The M word with a with a hard yeah. with a hard D. <laughs> um, well, oh, not a hard D. Sorry. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Don't talk about... You made that one sexual. I did, Classic yeah. Dan. Thanks, first time for everything. Um, <laughs> whereas in the in the, in the the book, Hermione is just as confused as Harry when she's like, I don't know what I'm up with. And Ron, I think, explains what it yeah. is between, between slugs coming up. But there's also a line from Ron, which is a great line. And I can see why they didn't include it in the film, because it's a little bit weird and dark and um, a bit unusual. But there's a bit where Ron says... You know, of course, there's going to be half bloods and and muggle bones, because you know, if we d- if we didn't start breeding or marrying off to muggles, we would have died out. And I was yeah, like, that's fascinating. Why have they never mentioned that in the films? That's awesome. That wizards nearly went extinct and they had to dilute their gene pool with or muggles. Presumably, would have gone extinct. Yeah. Not ne- not did go extinct, but presumably. Is that what I said? The, the I meant to say decreasing population. Yeah, I meant to say. Um, that. And so I thought, fuck, we're gonna have to fuck. But that's got a bit of a like sci-fi edge to it, like to me. I took that as like, ooh, like like 
aliens landing on a planet and taking it as their home world kind of thing by, <laughs> by breeding with the native population. I loved that. And I choose yeah. to believe it is also canon in the films. It might not be, <laughs> but that's what is I, yes. I am choosing to believe. Is um, Just a, a sidebar, is Harry... Harry is... His mum was a witch... And his dad was a wizard. Does that make Harry pure blood? I've thought about this. Or is he a half blood because his mum was a muggle? Because his mum was a mud blood. Um, and at what point? Just say say the M word. Stop. We'll get flagged. Fear of a name only increases fear of the thing itself. All right, Hermione. Um, <laughs> and and if Harry is a half blood, at what point does the Potter lineage become pure blood? I. I know I, I've thought about this at length. Believe me, <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> and I no, I I think any 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 wizard whose both parents are wizards is a pure blood. Okay. Is what would I, Draco Malfoy agree with you? Well, Voldemort is half blood, and and his head of house is a half blood. So it can't be. Mm. I mean, I mean, if what's his, if Snape was a half blood and he was in Slytherin, it can't be that big of a problem to be a half blood. It's only Muggleborns to be PC mm. that he That's has a, a fair point. He has a huge problem with. That's a fair point. So Harry is pure blood. A pure blood. Yes, we think. But Feel like maybe maybe it's listeners. graded. Maybe it's graded. Maybe he's like a grade two pure blood because his mum was. Well, so I guess, does that mean that Harry? I guess, and... I guess I guess he would be grade three because grade three would be like a full wizard, and um, and a, and a Muggleborn, and then a full wizard and a half blood, and then two pure bloods. So they're grades of pure bloods. You're now you're sounding like the racist one. <laughs> <laughs> Silence, Grade, austerity, lad. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll get super tired here, pure blood boy. <laughs> so like which so, which by the way which by the on. way pure like pure blood is obviously a thing but why in a school is it the password to the slytherin door the slytherin door the slytherin common room <laughs> why does that allow house? you to slither in the door why is that allowed why have the teachers gone oh what should the password be this year for the slytherin common room pure blood how about that well the uh the fat lady decides for gryffindor so maybe that chunk of wall decided for <laughs> Uh, maybe for Slytherin. That is I head cannon for me. <laughs> so going back a second to grading grading pure bloods. Okay. So if Harry's a grade three be- pure bloods, be- before or after we put them in camps. <laughs> so if Harry's a grade three uh pure blood. Pure blood, yeah. Presumably he still has to wear the little star sticker. And um, spoilies, by the way, for anyone that's not read further on in Harry Potter. But Harry and Ginny have make the babies. Yes, Harry and Ginny's babies. Are they? It would average two. It would average. Tell me about it, pure blood boy. I think it would average out to a grade two. Would it? Because the Weasleys are pure bloods. So you'd and and so you'd need three generations of, of. what you're saying is three generations of wizarding parents before you become pure blood, depending like on, the Malfoys or the Weasleys. Depending are. on the grade of the of the pure blood parents, then yes. <sighs> okay, it's not an exact science, Pete. Correct, racism is not an exact science, Dan. <laughs> it's a fairly new pure science. Pure blood boy <laughs> says austerity lad. 
<laughs> now, let's continue if anyone is actually still listening to us. Okay. If no, if no one's calling the police on our fake <laughs> fake magical hate crime classifications. Um so the bas- the basilisk voice comes after um instead of the death day party in the book in the film it's after Harry's detention with Lockhart where he's signing fan mail. Yeah, he does hear it then, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He but, just um but he doesn't chase he just doesn't find. He, he doesn't chase it um like with Harry yeah. and Hermione who just run into him after the Halloween feast um uh, because the the basilisk is traveling through the pipes and this is another one I don't want to know that a magical wizarding school has plumbing it just it just takes yeah. it takes away some of the mystery well didn't jk Rowland, didn't she release a tweet this is a meme that i've seen i've not seen the tweet but i'm sure it was she released something you know how she just drops things on twitter saying that this is kind of now and this is kind of now yeah i'm sure she dropped something saying that like in the 1800s the toilets didn't exist in hogwarts and the wizards just like shat and pissed where they sat she and then didn't say that away. she didn't I'm, say that. i've definitely seen the meme i don't know if she actually said it but i've definitely seen a meme of it see i don't know if I, I, might be, I might be spreading fake news because that is exactly how people spread fake news but i'm by quoting me positive that i've seen that <laughs> Whether or, not like, it, whether or not it was real is another case altogether. <laughs> what um, what bothers me about finding out about the plumbing is how thick are the fucking pipes? Yeah, they're big. They're big how pipes. Th- so, so, like in the book, the 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 book basilisk it's is not that big. smaller than the film basilisk. Yeah. The the differences I've I've written them down. So it's twenty feet long approximately in the book, and it's sixty feet approximately in the film. This is what the characters have said. Yeah. Uh, so obviously that's only its length, not its girth. Which but bring... you can assume that it's got less girth if it's a third of the size. But it's still going to be a girthy snake, which yeah. means that you need a girthy pipe, not like any normal plumbing. I just thought that was weird, and I've always thought that's weird since well, I read the book. Well, maybe when I was the, a kid. maybe there was that much magical shit and piss built up that when they installed the plumbing in Hogwarts, they were like, "These need to be big pipes because." They've got a lot of shit in and pissing to make up for. They're gonna want to do it all at once. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's fair. But then that's the, fair. That the, is now head cannon. The, <laughs> the the snake in the book, the basilisk in the book. Really, I am not. I am not disparaging J.K. Rowling for her creativity. She has more creativity in her little finger than I have in my whole body because she created this whole world. But. <laughs> her idea of the beast of Slytherin and the, what's lurking in the Chamber of Secrets is a slightly bigger than average snake. <laughs> yeah. A, a snake that's maybe 30% longer than the longest real living snake. <laughs> she was like, I, I, am, let's, I imagine let's there are not 15 get, foot long Let's not get too somewhere. crazy, guys. I want a big snake, but I don't want it to be fucking unbelievable. But they make the, the film version of the basilisk is, ter- is the basilisk is terrifying. But it also raises the question that how would n- no one see that snake? Like obviously, yeah. obviously, a few of them saw it, like you know, in the eye. That's why they were petrified. But you know, just even a tail dis- disappearing around a corner or something like that. Yeah, when it's, it's like, how many pipes are there? So I've just had a quick Google. A boa constrictor that Harry meets in book one, that the average length of a boa constrictor female, which are longer than the males, is 9 feet 11 inches. So let's round that up to 10 feet. 
So this beast of Slytherin. And how big is, is the only... one in the book? It, the the book is the book. The basilisk is twenty feet long. <laughs> so so the book basilisk is only twice as long as a normal snake. <laughs> So maybe it's not that girthy because you see so the boa shit. constrictor in the first film, and it's like it's like a thick yeah, snake. I've never. But it's, had... it's it's only like like a foot, maybe like a football in terms of how yeah. how thick it is. So it's like ah, oh, this is ruining the book for me because now the snake is just fucking tiny. It's not the massive. Like, That's what I mean. I never beast. had. A... I didn't really have a problem with... I, I did have a problem with the pipes in the book because it's still like I don't want to think about magical people having poos and wheeze. But the fact that they've got a, a, a slightly big snake going through <laughs> pipes is fine. I can believe that. But when like the one that I think of most is the film one because there is visual evidence of... Or I have a memory of what it looks like in the film. And you've got these fucking... How big are these pipes, as you said, that they're like... But like the the, the the tubes in Greece where they're racing grease lightning down, like those kind of massive ones. A cursory Google of longest snakes has thrown up that a reticulated python is 30 feet long. So a normal non-magical snake is longer than this fucking poisonous snake. It's not scary anymore. <laughs> I mean, it can kill you by looking at you, which is quite scary. And it makes it more believable because that would be able to get around the castle... Um, much easier without being seen. So that's an enemy. Does that, mean, that means that it's not the beast that you see in the film. That means that it's just like a long snake. It might not be girthy. It might fit in the pipes normally. I mean, it will. it's a different version of the basilisk, isn't it? Obviously, like they're not the oh, same. But that's just not scary to me anymore. <laughs> that's just really no. A, a, belie- I, I don't a like believably this. large snake is the it, is the bad guy. And I'm sure there are people who have died when they've seen a snake from like a heart attack or something. Probably. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that if I saw a 20 foot long snake in the street, I wouldn't go, "Fuck you! You're not scary. You're not 60 feet long." <laughs> I'd, I'd, sh- I'd shit me knickers. But you know, it's just, yeah, it's just true. not. It's just not well, maybe, the same, is maybe, it? Maybe, maybe we've been spoiled by seeing it on screen now because. When you read that book, all you read is, oh my god, there's a snake walking around killing people by looking at them. But now we know how, how scary it could be. Like, yes, it can do that, but it's also fucking massive. It's, a, I, stealthy, it's a stealthy boy, really. Yeah. I guess it, it. It, it does make it quite intimidating because like, it could go, eh, look at you, and then you die. And it would make that noise, eh. And then it would disappear like down a grate. It would slither away like in the shadows and stuff. Whereas the basilisk... It would slither into the grates, is that what you're telling me? Yes, it would slither into the grates. If it only there, <laughs> there were a house that would reflect that terminology. Ah, we'll, oh, yes, Ravenclaw. We'll, ra- <laughs> we'll write in. Ravens kill snakes, so... They do. Also... Um, Forks the phoenix. I'm sure he's supposed to be the size of like a turkey. Like that means that Forks is actually quite large compared to the basilisk. <laughs> Thinking about the basilisk now, <laughs> so yeah, in, in the final in the final confrontation where this fucking bird and Tom Riddle's like, is that all Dumbledore can give you? A bird that's actually about half the size of my snake. <laughs> my snake. <laughs> is this all that Dumbledore can give you? It's actually it's actually quite a big deal. Oh actually. my god! Probably, Forks could probably just stand on this twenty foot long snake's head and it'd just die. Well, what it would be was it would be like like the worst like you'd, it would be, it would feel like the most guilty Pokemon battle ever because you've got <laughs> you've got a slightly big snake which would be like Ekans fighting like a Pidgeotto, which are roughly you know half size the other. But the Pidgeotto would have its eyes closed while it was flying around because it could, <laughs> because it didn't want to see the basilisk. 
<laughs> so it would just be like a clumsy bird flying vaguely in the area of a quite big snake and that just take but with still the the, the score of John Williams going over the top of it <laughs> trying to add a little bit of drama to the situation so it still sounds cool even yeah. though it would look pretty anticlimactic yeah so I guess we have jumped right to the end of the film but I guess making the basilisk as big as they have makes sense yes. changing the basilisk does make sense anyway let's go two hours earlier okay in um, this film um Creevy's muggle camera. So Colin Creevy, who is barely in, he's very annoying and, and um, clingy to Harry in, in the book, so it's meant to be a bit sad when he gets petrified. Yeah, he's, he's the first member of the Harry Potter fan club. Um, <laughs> don't say that with him, him and Ginny make it together. Um, but they don't say that it's a muggle camera in the, in the movie, because in the book he says, oh, it's a muggle camera, but someone said that if I develop the photos in this potion, they'll become magical pictures, and, and that's really cool. And he's like Harry, he's, he's yeah. grown up with non-magical parents. Um, yes, it's all new to him as well. Yeah, so he's like... Imagine he's, if J.K. Rowling decided to do the Harry Potter series, but from the the point of view of Colin Creevy. Creevy Potter. So so book one would be Colin Creevy and the Harry Potter fan club, and it would be 50 pages <laughs> long because he's petrified for most of his first year. Unless he does like a kind of like internal monologue, and it's like a kind of tortured thing of, when will I regain the use of my link? <laughs> my hero well, Harry is like, out there risking his life to save me and I, I'm just lying here helpless did you ever read a series of unfortunate events? no so in, the, in one of the books the three characters get pushed down a lift shaft um, and the next like four pages are just black ink to, which I, I've always thought is really really cool to sort of illustrate the darkness it's like just yeah. black ink and then the, as soon as you turn the, the, the next page where there's actually writing it just says dark and it's like it's it's quite cool. Maybe that's what the the two hundred pages after Colin Creevy gets all I thought could be. All I thought when you said that was those four pages sound expensive to print. <laughs> well, classic, classic Tory thinking there, <laughs> thinking it always about money. Hey, I am not the Tory. You are the Tory, and and you are the pure blood prince or whatever the fuck I call you. I can't remember. <laughs> we have to go back and listen. <laughs> um. The Chamber of Secrets, so everyone... Well, well, first of all, the first victim of the Basilisk is Mrs. Norris, who is Filch's cat. Um, Who doesn't Filch take Harry to his office and you get the squib scene where you find out that 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 Filch is the opposite of a a mudblood. He was born to magical parents, but he is not magic. And yeah, I don't think he's I don't basically think taking an open university course, isn't he? To, yeah, and he's embarrassed. So he's embarrassed about it. I don't think squibs are ever mentioned in the films, and I think it's a good um, they addition are in um, Order of the Phoenix. Are they? Harry's Harry's got a neighbour. I can't remember what the neighbour's called, but she lives like over the road, and she is a, a squib that Dumbledore's like. Yes, she saves him. From, she saves him from the Dementors, and she saves him from the Dementors. Yes, I do remember and I'm that. I'm pretty certain they mentioned the phrase "squib." Okay, in um, in that film, but yeah, so that that whole Filch side story is gone, and that side story happens just before Mrs. Norris gets petrified. Okay, like it's the night, isn't it? Because it's the Death Day party. No, no. Possibly. No, it's not. It's 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 earlier because it, it's when Nick invites Harry to the death day party, and Harry feels compelled to say yes to come to the death day party. Nick, are you on first name terms with Nearly Headless Nick? <laughs> are, are you not? Oh, that's <laughs> no. pretty. That's really embarrassing for you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that that means that 
in Filch's mind, Harry's got something against Filch. That's why he's gone after Mrs. Norris because yeah. you're a squib, kind of thing. Which doesn't they, that it, that doesn't have any sort of impact like that in the film. She's just petrified. Yeah, she's just got randomly in the film. But the the reveal of the Chamber of Secrets after that, in terms of what, like in the book, they ask Professor Binns, who is the only ghost teacher. Yeah. Uh, and he's like really boring, and they're like, "Oh, please, just tell us." Because he teaches history of magic, does he? Which makes yeah. makes more sense in the book that the history of magic teacher would tell them about the chamber of secrets, in the transfiguration. Teacher. Yeah, and Mrs. McGonagall, Professor McGonagall, uh, teaches them in transfiguration when uh, Rat, um, when Rat, when Ron turns Scabbers into a disgusting furry goblet. I don't think he did too bad in that spell. I mean, obviously he didn't do it amazingly, but he still made he made the animal. Into a goblet. And it, it wasn't perfect. He didn't turn himself into a goblet. So, yeah, it's true. But he did it. Uh, I, I that, the, the rat sounded pretty tortured, though. Like, the squeaks of his letting up was like, oh my god, kill <laughs> Poor me! Scabbers. And Harry's just like, <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny, torture. <laughs> um, <laughs> kill yeah, someone. I, uh, I like Professor Bins. Like, he pops up every now and again in the books, and he's not important in the slightest. So, I get why he's been cut out of the films. He got the peeves um, treatment. Yeah, he, he, he got peeved. Um, he, got, <laughs> he, he got peeves. He got he got peeves off. Um, <laughs> he got binned off. And isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> just as good. Uh, I, th- I think we're done with these puns. But um, yeah, it, it's. I think it's great that he's just this teacher that that all the students reckon doesn't even know he's dead, and he's so boring. Yeah. And he just goes up, gets up from his armchair, does his lectures. He yeah. lectures to twelve-year-olds. How mad is that? And then he ghosts back through the wall. Sits down in his armchair and goes to sleep. Yeah, they say I, something I like the he, he's, he's Bins thing. like he's that boring that he never realised he died. I think it's yeah. a really, really funny uh, description of him. But yeah, Professor. But McGon- again, I get why he's not there. Yeah, Professor McGonagall is already money. an established character. Uh, yeah, and it, it would have cost a lot of money to do all that CG on a, an actor. True. And yeah, they've they've yeah they've they've got an actress who can do it. Next big, I think it's a pretty glaring difference is that the polyjuice potion recipe in the movie is not in the restricted section yeah it's just on a shelf in it yeah so any of the students could find that and and they don't (laughs) even have to fight for the ingredients they have to do like covert missions in the book to go into yeah snape's Snape's private um private stores for boom slang skin yeah and something else they need for it um, but yeah, no, it is. It's just on a shelf, and they, you don't get that funny scene of Lockhart that just signing anything. I'm yeah. just like, <laughs> I, I, I need this for. I just want to. I just want. I just want to read up on it. Yeah, I was like, I, I just want to read up on this potion, and Lockhart's like, of course, right, for my best student being all creepy to a twelve-year-old girl. What yeah. I'll do anything for my best student. And just signs anything. And then Hermione, it was really reluctant to give the slip into yeah, the librarian because yeah. it's but, got Lockhart's signature on it. But it's an autograph. And it's like, there's there's very little Lockhart humour in the film. Like, yeah, he's I, just, I think he's just, he's an annoyance. He's definitely he's a hack as well. Like, in the from film. day one, you can tell yeah. that he's not really done all the things that he said. Whereas it's left until quite late in the book. And he's, he's funny. Like, he's not funny, but his interactions with the other characters how, and how the characters feel about him is funny. They're all eye rolls. You can just tell anyone, any of the professors <laughs> that they speak to, they're just rolling their eyes at him. Yeah. He's only there for the publicity of his of his, of his his writing career. Really, and they couldn't get it? anyone else. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they, they make a point at some point in the film that no one else wanted the job. <laughs> That's the only reason <laughs> he's got it, because no one else wanted it. 
What about um, Wood getting totaled by the Bludger in the Quidditch match when they, when there's the cursed Bludger, um, and it takes out Wood? Yeah, I th- and it doesn't happen in the book. No, I think that's it's just like one of those things earlier that we spoke about that it's just it's just made more cinematic. They don't like use the, Wood enough, I don't the, think, the in Quidditch. the films. I think I praised him in the last episode that we did of Harry Potter. I think the actor who plays Wood is a really good actor, and he's just underutilized. Mm, he is good, and he's got he's he's big in the, the Quidditch side story. But then Quidditch gets sidelined; like yeah. it's not in the third book, even though sorry, it's not in the third film really. Um, and Wood's not in it, and then Wood leaves, and he's I think Harry sees him in book four. I think he sees him at the the Quidditch World Cup, and yeah. he's like on the reserves for somewhere, but. Yeah, no, he is underutilised. I think Quidditch in general is underutilised. They, in the first two films, they've got the big Quidditch scene, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and it's much more cinematic. It works fine with all the, I also, tre- the, the trench running stuff. I also put it to you that the Nimbus Company is a subsidiary of EA. Because <laughs> they were just releasing updates. It's like the Assassin's Creed series. Well, kind they of. They just release it yearly. But then it's, it's also the it's game. also not really that different because there's a point where Harry's Nimbus 2000 is going toe-to-toe with Malfoy's Nimbus 2001. There's no visible improvement apart from it's black. Yeah. And it it looks evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the Slytherins have it. And there's a, a slightly different shape. Like, it's got a snake... Like, the, the top of the Nimbus 2001 looks a bit more like a snake's head. And how do Which, you make a broom faster? Like, surely by by the year 2000, when magic has reached its peak, they don't they magic it more? They hold back some magic so they can put a bit more magic into it next year? Because, like... Aerodynamism. But exactly, is, but, like, is, they would have surely do got that down to a T by then. Because, like, the... Creating broom, new spells The broomsticks that on, they kind on of it. train on in, in the flying lessons in the first movie are, like... Like what you'd think of when you think of like a witch rat and the broomstick. They're like really bumpy and, and not yeah. straight. They're not attractive to look at. Um, but yeah, I think they're hacks. Nimbus. <laughs> they need to try harder every year with their new models. Nimbus. Nimb- that would work better written down. It would. <laughs> but you get the you get the point. I got the joke. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was all there. It was evident what you were doing. What about Dobby apparating within school walls? Which I did not yeah. think it was possible. I th- I think that's. I know fine. How, house elves I, I have happened. their own kind of They've magic, got spe- special so. fancy magic, yeah. Um, and and that's never bothered me. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's mentioned it's in in a book. It might be the fourth one when Dobby comes back into it, but I'm sure it's mentioned again that oh, he can use magic or he can apparate. Stuff. What happens when the Voldemort of the house elf world comes into Hogwarts and starts murdering children? What's Dumbledore going to say? I'm sorry, but they have special fancy magic. Or if you're Michael Gambon, I'm sorry, but they have special fancy magic. Yep, that's exactly what would happen. That's why why they keep them enslaved, because they're so afraid of them. um, (laughs) Literally that their race is called house elf. It's not just elf or small elf. (laughs) It's house elf. It's in the name to keep them suppressed. Exactly. I I feel that house elves would be the real villains of the... I, I feel that that's... The only thing that Voldemort was ever afraid of was not Dumbledore, but in fact the house the rise of the house elves. Yeah, which is why Hermione is actually probably the villain of the piece because she's trying to get uh, the society equality for, for house elves welfare later on in the True. series. What's the acronym for that? Spew. Spew. That's the one. And they refuse to wear badges with the word spew on it, which is fair. <laughs> yeah, it's very fair. <laughs> but Justin Finch Fletchley's only live 
uh, appearance. Or his only line, I guess, in the movie. Who the what, hell are you doing? Who the hell are you playing at? Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Who the hell are you playing at? With an even smaller... Voting for Labour. An e- <laughs> <laughs> With an even smaller snake. Because uh, that snake in my head in the dueling scene was quite big. Yeah. In, and then on the film, it's just a regular snake. Yeah, it's just a normal snakey boy. It's not like... Yeah. I mean, snakes are still pretty scary. They are. Fair. We are poo-pooing snakes. But even like a three-foot snake could probably scare the shit out of me. <laughs> See, I'm not really scared of... I don't have any phobias that jump to mind, really. But if What you if ha- a snake jumped to your mind? Well, that's, that's, ex- scary. that's what I'm saying. If you, if you pressed me for one... I mean, I've held a snake and I wasn't terrified, but if you pressed me for a fear, snakes would probably rank near the top. Mm. Because they do make me feel quite uncomfortable. Because they're unpredictable... Um, and in the end, it's right, and I hope they have the time of their life. Now, um, they can just no, they, 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 they like they're reptiles, Get off the stage. so they don't have emotions. So, like all these people who say, "Oh, I've got a pet snake and he loves me," it's like no, they don't have an emotional center to their brain. They're just near you because you're warm. <laughs> they, they would. <laughs> you're, you're just a, you're just in a, a fancy heat lamp. To you're them. you're an organic radiator to them. <laughs> it's like they would eat and you. He would they they would eat eat them. If, uh, if they got a chance. I heard a story once. You might have heard it. And there was a, a woman who like believed that her snake was like um, like, like, like her dog. Like it really loved her. Um, and she slept with it naked in her bed. Uh, and the then, snake was naked? That's so weird. It was... It was, uh, it was snaked. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a phrase like... Like, skin bear is not a saying, but I was going to say, like, sc- scale bear, like, to, to swap out the the, the the skin for scale. Anyway, the point of the story is that um, she was sleeping with a snake in her bed, and then one day the snake just stopped eating, and it was getting quite thin, uh, and she took it to the vet, and she's like, oh, my, my, vet, my snake won't eat. Is he okay? And, and the... Um, he asked her a bit more background information, and she was like, "Oh, you know, when we go to bed at night." And she was like, "Wait, when we go to bed?" Hang on, reverse a little bit. Yeah, and she goes, "Yeah, I always sleep in the same bed." And he was like, "Right, I think I know what's going on here." So what the snake was doing, it had stopped eating to make room for her. Oh god! So like to, to eat her? Yeah, basically. Yeah, Ugh. it was sizing her up because it used to like ride around her at night, and she was like, "Oh, it's hugging me." But it was like it was, no, it was just seeing how much it, 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 it would it would lie like its full length alongside her to see you know would I be able to fit her inside <laughs> of me? In? Oh, that's creepy! And then stopped eating, so that it was like mm-hmm, I'll get her in a week or so. <laughs> it's it's like when you when you, you know once going those, out once those uh, locusts digest when you go <laughs> when you know you're going out to a restaurant in the evening so you don't eat a lot in the day but like that on a bigger scale mm-hmm. <gasps> there we go hey! hey there's the joke there's the joke um yeah and then it was gonna eat her and and the guy was like yeah treat this snake like a fucking snake or it will eat you it's not <laughs> it's not it's not a dog it's, it's not your friend it's not your dog it's not your boyfriend yeah my next note is about crab and goyle it's quite extensive because I made a short note. Oh, from Christmas? Um, no, of the cake scene. Yeah, that that is at a Christmas. Sorry. Is it? But bef- yeah, before we get there, can we do the, the dueling club? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I've got a note on the dueling club. Um, so the, the dueling club happens. We spoke about the snake uh, attacking Super Tory. 
Um, <laughs> the, the sensibly sized snake. <laughs> Harry, uh, in the the book, Harry tells the snake to back off, and then it, you only find out later that he spoke snake language. Yeah, he spoke parcel tongue, and it's played like a little bit of a mystery. Like, why is everyone pissed off at me? I talk. Yeah, why is everyone like? Whereas Ooh. in the film, you see him speak the parcel tongue, and the snake being like like the end of Anchorman when Baxter calms the bears. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, okay, you are now a friend to the snakes, and the snake just, find, just goes off. No, it's not, that's not that. Well, that is exactly what happened, but then Snake just murders the snake. <laughs> yeah, he straight up murders it. Yeah. Um, I, I much preferred how it was in the book, as opposed to just you finding out and he, he hisses at snakes. That's one of those things that wouldn't work in a film, though. I, I did I did feel like that. I do have that as a little note, like, would that work? Because you hear Harry, you'd have to hear Harry say what he's saying. Yeah. In the book, you have, in the book, you've got the ability to be inside his head and yeah. be, you like, are, you are that Harry at that point. from Harry's yeah. mouth. Um, whereas in the film, you don't have that. So the, the crab, crab and Goyle cake scene, I thought was ridiculous when I was reading it in the, in the book, I was like, they just put the cakes on the end of the banisters, and Crabbe and Goyle come out and go, "Oh look, cake!" Because they they've put the sleeping draft in it so that they yeah. can for, they can get them out of the way, take their hairs, put it in the polyjuice potion, so they can go and grill Malfoy because they think that he's the heir of Slytherin. And I remember thinking in my head, "Oh yeah, they do put it on the banister." Like in the film, I saw that as the film, and I was like, "That I was like, that's so stupid. Why would they fall for that?" But in the film, it's worse because it's levitating cakes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he does the old Wingardium Leviosa, which obviously was such a big hit in the first film. So they've done it again in this film. It's like, oh, he did that last film, and they're just like, they're, first of all, they've got arms full of cake when they're coming out of the Great Hall. Yeah, but then they go, ooh, floating cake that supersedes all of the stationary cakes that we have. So, so they <laughs> pluck it out of the air, and they're like looking at each other, really pleased with themselves, and then they fall asleep. Now, this is where my next big point is. Go on. So Hermione in the film says, take their robes, because obviously yours won't fit anymore. Um, put them in the broom closet, take some of the hairs. So they have to strip off cra- Crab and Goyle so they're naked, put them in a broom, yeah. uh, broom cupboard. That's 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 my note. That's where I, I thought you were going to go. Like There is an implication there that they strip them but there naked. Is. But also in the, in the book, Hermione has spare robes from the laundry cupboard Paired with the fact that when they are masquerading as Crab and Goyle and they go down to try and fight, they realise they don't know where the Slytherin common room is and they ask a random girl, oh, where's the common room? And she's like, I don't know, I'm in Ravenclaw. They obviously don't have the insignia of the houses on their robes yeah. in, in the books, which I'd never even considered for a second because I'm so used to the imagery of the films of them all of having, having the badge. Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw badge on the robes. I think that um, J.K. Rowling was probably just imagining plain black robes for everyone. And what I think I... so, and I, th- I think in the the first book as well, I think they meant they wear their hat all the time mm-hmm. as well. A proper wizard, like it's like it's wizard school in the most traditional sense. Like when she was yeah. coming up with it, and then they were like. No, we'll make it a bit schoolier. Like they gave them the grey, the grey jumpers and like the school pants and the the, the house ties and stuff. Yeah, 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 no, I think it is. She did imagine just plain black robes that you know acted as not all encompassing clothes as well. 
Yeah. Like it wasn't just like you wore trousers and you wore a top and then you wore your robes as like a coat over the top. The robes is the just an all-encompassing your, yeah. phrase for clothing. And yeah, it is muggled up a little bit in the film that they wear pants and stuff. The uh, the voices don't change as well when they drink the polyjuice potion. Yeah. I, I, is it ever mentioned in the book that their voices change? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Because I mean, did, it, did they just leave it the same just for comic effect? Yeah, and and the fact that he doesn't take the glasses off so that Malfoy can go do the old, oh I didn't know you could read joke. Yeah. Whereas his eyes change in the book and he takes them off because he's like oh yeah. Goyle doesn't need these, so I'll take them off. Thus I don't need them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> when they go when they say pure blood to that piece of wall that has come up with the password. Uh, and they go in and that I don't know how Malfoy does not rumble them because A they sound like Harry and Ron <laughs> B they keep like giving themselves away by like clenching the fists when he's like I hope it's Granger who dies and then, yeah. <laughs> the I laughed out louder was when Malfoy goes oh my dad's always said that uh, Dumbledore's the worst thing that's happened to the school I agree with him and he goes you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> in Harry's voice, it's like he, play a role for a second, yeah, Harry. Yeah. And he's like, "What's the matter with you two? You're acting very odd." <laughs> but never while, act- he, while he's robbing presents from yeah. the common room. Is this yours? I'll take it then. <laughs> and then they they change back uh, round about the same time, but in the book, it feels like they change more obviously. And it's like, well, how do they run away? Because that's it. Because their voice starts changing back as well, and the, and mm. and Ron's like, oh, it says he, he, like intentionally makes his voice lower, and he's like, bye, Malfoy or whatever. Don't they almost trip up? Don't they have to take the shoes off or something on the way back up to maybe yeah, yeah, the bathroom because yeah. the feet are feet are smaller. The feet or something. Have um have has Super Tory and Nearly Headless Nick been attacked yet? No, but are you talking about Black Nick? Well, I've got lots of lots of things to talk about about that that particular scene is that coming up next before um, we jump jump along to it i'm sure it's soon possibly but let's talk about it anyway i like the fact in the book that nearly headless nick goes smoky black when he's petrified yeah. in There's the book a difference to him isn't there whereas you can't really do that on a film because no one would be able to see him <laughs> well they could they could do it just you know change the color grading of the of their special effects that sounds expensive <laughs> you're right you're right that's <laughs> why they left it the same um my issue that so of, of harry gets discovered after it, it so he goes into his homework room where he leaves his homework room finds super tory and um the post ghost dead well petrified um and mcgonagall takes him up to dumbledore's office and in dumbledore's office he meets the sorting hat in the the book uh harry's got this thought process going through his head because in the previous book uh, he almost gets sorted into Slytherin and he asks the sorting hat not to put him into Slytherin and he's got that going through his head he's like oh I should be a Slytherin maybe I am the arrow of Slytherin I should be a Slytherin the sorting hat tried to put me in Slytherin then he meets the sorting hat again and he has the conversation with the sorting hat and the sorting hat's like well you would have done well in Slytherin like and he goes you're wrong you're wrong (laughs) yeah in the in the film like, Harry never... That subplot doesn't exist until Harry's in Dumbledore's office and he puts the hat on and it's it's so weird and out the blue where he's like, should I have been in Slytherin? It's like, well, that's not been mentioned in the, in the previous hour of this that yeah. Harry's concerned about this at all. 
Yeah, and it, then, it's not even really made especially clear that everyone suspects him as being the guilty party, yeah. really. And again, it's another one of those things that is in the film just because it's in the book. Mm. But that th- its purpose has been lost because yeah. they've cut little things out. They cut little things out but kept the big thing in, but the big thing has no meaning anymore because the little things aren't in anymore. And there's another thing about that when... So Dumbledore is speaking to Harry, and Dumbledore doesn't think that Harry's attacked um, Super Tory at all. Um, but uh, Hagrid... It's, it's such jump, a short, empty in. meeting, though. After Hagrid's yeah. appearance, he's like, do you want to tell me anything? No. Okay, go on. <laughs> you may that happens in now. the book as well, though. It just ends. The chapter just ends. But I was fine with that in the book for some reason. Yeah. It just felt really kind of like, okay, you, like Harry's been found over the body of someone. Sent him to the headmaster's yeah. office. He goes, "Did you have you anything to tell me? Nope. Okay. Goodbye then. <laughs> it's just a scene to get Dumbledore in. Yeah. But my my point being is that Hagrid jumps in. It's like it can't have been Harry, sir. There was no way it could have been Harry. And like the reason why in the book that Hagrid comes in and says that is because he's he been saw there Harry before. Ten seconds, five seconds." before Harry rounds the corner and finds uh, the bodies. So he knows for a fact that it can't have been Harry. Hagrid's not there in the scene before, in, in the film. Hagrid's not there. Hagrid has no idea what Harry's been doing. Yeah, and, but... and again, the only reason that Hagrid bursts in in that scene in the film is because he bursts in in the book. But the reason why he bursts in, in the isn't in the film, so it's pointless. And again, it's only in for because it's in the film. Because I get your point. Book. I get your point, but I meaning's been lost. I know I can forgive that completely because Hagrid is essentially like one of the father figures of of Harry. So that's like any parent going in, like, no, it wasn't my boy. My boy didn't do that because, like, he knows Harry and he knows that, you know, he delivered him to the Dursleys when he was a baby and he's watched over him ever since. So he's gonna be pretty confident, or at least you know, biased that it wasn't Harry. So he's he's still gonna want to voice his opinion in that in that arena. I, yeah, I mean. I can take that as a, as sort of explaining it away, but it, it doesn't explain it away for me as enough to make me just think it's another one of those things that has been put in the film. Yeah. But just simply because it's in the book. The me- the meaning of Hagrid jumping in in the book is because he knows for a fact, like a, an actual fact, because he saw Harry Seconds previously yeah. before, before Peeves uh, blows the whistle. And that meaning has been completely lost in the film. I mean, I'm, I'm, slag- yeah. I'm slagging off Pissing that off. short back and forth, but it actually works quite well when that exact exchange happens between Riddle and Dumbledore in the in the diary flashback. Because Dumbledore says, is there something you wish to tell me? And Riddle goes, yeah. no, sir, nothing. And he goes, off you go then. Like, it's exactly the <laughs> same. So then Harry's looking at um, Tom Riddle going, oh, why am I so like this guy? He doesn't know it's Voldemort at that point. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> but he's like, oh, I, I, I'm similar to this guy for some reason. Have you seen the um, the meme of um, Dumbledore in that scene? So that scene is in 1942. That the the Riddle's Diary is in 1942. In the book. In the book. And so, presumably, that's when it's supposed to happen in the fi- in the film as well. Well, no, because remember, it, remember the last episode. I think there was like a ten year dissonance between them or something. No, they they no, they never said. No, it they was they never sort it, of specified what year it's in. It, it in the, mentions in the films. it mentions a year in the film because I remember 
we were talking about it and we were like right off the bat it's already set a few years after the book actually is yeah i can't remember how many but it's not it's not the same year it's a little bit in the future oh by comparison even if it's a couple of years in the future, the the, the meme point that I was going to make is Fantastic Beasts film series is like set in like the thirties or something like the mid thirties or something. So oh, Dumbledore it? in the mid thirties looks like Jude Law, and then in the mid forties <laughs> he looks like Richard Harris. It's something has happened. Something terrible happened to him in uh, <laughs> in those ten years. I think I might have seen that actually. That rings a bell. Uh, Professor Dippet as well. Well, the, the whole diary scene is is pretty uh, cut and dry. But Professor Dippet is only who was the headmaster at the time of uh, Tom Riddle's time at Hogwarts is only mentioned really in the film. But Professor Dippet wouldn't be happy if you were here. Yeah. and he's, he's he, just mentioned, but you see yeah, him in the book. You see him, and he speaks to to uh, to Tom Riddle. Yeah, it um, doesn't make sense because it's Tom Riddle's memory. Yet he starts in Professor Dumbledore. Well, Professor Dippet. Sorry. Um, room oh yeah and then he comes he? in doesn't he so there's yeah so tom riddle shouldn't have a memory of professor Dippet like sitting at his desk like huffing or something anyway <laughs> it's a small thing it's magic <laughs> but it's true i'm on board with your complaint <laughs> um so ron recognizes that when after he comes out the diary when after harry comes out the wait diary we've missed something important from very, your tone i'm guessing it's not that important it is incredibly important. It is the biggest omission from the film, other than again, uh, other than release the death day party big. cut. You know they need to release the Valentine's dwarf cut. Oh yeah, I need I, I need that. the Valentine's dwarfs in my life, and I need that song that the Valentine's dwarf <laughs> sings Sing to, to Harry. <laughs> but then, that however stupid, however stupid that scene is, it like. It serves a purpose in that the dwarf rips Harry's bag and Ginny sees that Harry's got the the diary the diary now. So A, it serves that purpose and B, Harry's ink smashes all over his books and like all his other books are dripping wet in ink other than oh, yeah, his yeah. diary that has absorbed it all and that gives him the idea to drop ink and write stuff in it in the book. In the film, he just finds a book and thinks, I'm going to fucking write in it. I need a diary. <laughs> and it just sort of happens sort of happens and there's no realisation. This is pretty fortuitous that I've of... got a free diary. <laughs> he sits down with the intent of writing in it, like he drops some ink in it and it dissolves. Yeah, yeah. Almost like he knows it's going to happen when he finds the diary. And uh, yeah, I, I love how I, I rude like the that. Valentine's uh, dwarves are. Like, <laughs> yeah. they shove students out of the way and they're like, fuck off. Like, here's Burst, it. Bursting into classes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Classes oh yeah, because the professors are dead annoyed, aren't they? <laughs> Because that's another, that's another thing that Lockhart set up. Because he's like, "Oh, uh, I've already received, you know, thirty Valentines." Yeah, we need. Yeah, it's I like want we all need of another, you. We need to be happy. Yeah, this year's shit so far. We need something good, and but, then he does that. But really, he just wants more Valentine's cards from children. Yeah, basically, <laughs> it's like a proper throwaway line. But like, I think does Harry, Harry or Ron, they're trying to eat breakfast and they have to like rub confetti off their bacon because it's coming from the, <laughs> yeah. it's coming from the ceiling. It's, it's so, like Lockhart has done such a shit thing that people can't even eat their fucking breakfast. <laughs> they have to wipe confetti off their bacon so they can bloody eat it. Anyway, continue your point. I'm trying to remember. Ron oh yeah, okay. So, so Ron. Um, 
knows the name of Tom Riddle when when Harry comes out. He's like, Tom Riddle, where do, where do I know that name from? Yeah. It's because when he had detention, Filch made him polish all the trophies. That's how we found out that Tom Riddle had a uh, award for services award to the school. Award for special services to the school. Which yeah, also the raises the question, it, why do they still have that trophy on display? Uh, well, because... They know I that think... Tom Riddle becomes Voldemort. So why have they got a Voldemort trophy? Because that's like if Hitler went to school and Hitler won the football team. (laughs) Hitler won the football team. He Hitler won the football team, and then they kept the trophy up as like pride of joy in the trophy room after the atrocities. I I get that. I think that that's a a worthwhile point. But most people in the wizarding world don't know that Tom Riddle became. Voldemort. But Dumbledore, I know Dumbledore does. I know Dumbledore does. Maybe his concern is not the upkeep of the trophy room. Yeah, he's got other he's got other, other pressing concerns, hasn't he? But Dumbledore also doesn't know for a fact that it was Tom Riddle that opened the Chamber of Secrets. He doesn't know that, so he doesn't know like mm. that ward for special services to the school because Tom Riddle found Hagrid. Um, but he knows who, that, that's the preside. That's the story. So he's still he's still done that. That's still an accomplishment that he's done. I guess. Yeah, but I, but I even think that Dumbledore doesn't believe that Hagrid was the one who opened the Chamber of Secrets. Because otherwise because he, he persuaded because he persuaded to keep him to on keep as, as a gamekeeper. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean I I agree with your your point. I'm I'm trying to do what you do, which is <laughs> try, yeah, but trying it, to shit but, all over your disagreements. But in this but in this instance, Dumbledore is keeping around the trophy of someone who he strongly suspects was the heir of Slytherin for getting a student who he likes and knew was innocent uh, expelled yes. from Hogwarts. So they should have did, taken yeah. they should have he taken that trophy and shoved it up his ass in a ward. <laughs> Voldemort basically. won the football just like Hitler did. Um, <laughs> and that that still happened, you know. He's, it's it's disconnected. <laughs> I'm making fun of myself. It's a disconnected event. He still won the football. But yeah, Ron the, Ron knows that name. Whereas I don't think Ron's detention is ever mentioned. I think Harry's the only one who gets no. detention in the, in the film. Uh, what about what about this? This was a big glaring omission. It made me laugh every time they mentioned where it was up to the Mandrake maturity, like life cycle yeah so like they mentioned one point in the film that they've got acne and then when it clears up they'll be able to cut them up and make them into a stew which is quite nightmarish when you think of how human they are um but there's one point especially where they go oh professor sprout was made up when he found out when she found out that the mandrakes were having a wild party and were in in greenhouse three (laughs) yeah but it's not just that so they threw a wild party in greenhouse three and they also say something about um they were going into each other's uh, pots yeah that they'll go and she's trying to stop them moving into each other's pots she's trying to stop them fuck each other basically because they're teenagers and you're right it's great that's one of my notes as well and in the film it's changed to they've got acne they're awkward teenagers, not fucky teenagers. The acne is in the book, I think. I remember hearing that or reading that. But the, but there's like three or four other like uh, markers that they drop in there of the milestones of the Mandrake's yeah. life that they just do not put in the film. But it's which you know the delivery would have to be there. So it would unless there was a narrator on over the films that like Morgan Freeman was like and the Mandrakes were. That's not a good Morgan Freeman. Or, book, if, it, yeah. or if it if it was like. Uh, 
you know the scene tra- the the transition shots the the establishing shots of hogwarts instead of a, a sweeping establishing shot of the castle they could have had like a 10 seconds worth of mandrake party <laughs> to introduce a scene with david attenborough and the mandrakes go into each other's pots as they prepare to copulate <laughs> and they, they go up to the jukebox to get their roots wet <laughs> they go up to the mp3 player and put on Stacy's mum by Fountains of Wayne <laughs> as they throw is that, their is first that, is, is that your sex party. That is my sex song, yeah. Only when I'm having sex with Stacy's mum. Because <laughs> otherwise it's weird. <laughs> otherwise it's weird. Anyone else's mum. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. But yeah, that was a glowing omission. Um, not a huge difference, but Fang doesn't go into the forest to, um, on the whole Aragog um, exhibition. Adventure. Yeah, but a cool thing about that thing... Good sentence there, Dan. A cool thing about well that done. adventure is that Harry uses the uh, Arania Exume spell on the spiders that he learns in the diary from past Tom Riddle. Yeah. When he uses Does he know any spells? I know on... one. Yeah. When that's not in the book, they just kind of throw that in there, and that's cool. Yeah. He learns it from... I wonder what the spell's supposed to do. Is it just like... Kill, is it, kill a like, spider? It just kills, kill spiders, basically. Well, it sounds to me like... Exterminate spider, Arania like Arachnid and Exume is like exhume or you know, exterminate. Yeah. So Kill the spider basically. Or, or, yeah, no, or stun them or something. I hear it. Uh before all that, so before they go in into Aragog, like um His Lair. Lair. We said that at the same time in my ears. <laughs> um <laughs> Um Time passes, so Dumbledore and Hagrid get taken away. One just gets retired off to his golf course and the other gets taken to prison. Uh, and time passes in which McGonagall is um <laughs> I never thought about that. Where does Dumbledore go? He lives at Hogwarts. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> during that time between McGonagall becoming head, uh, de- uh, standing headmistress and them going into the forest, some time passes. And in that time, Snape gets suggested to be head teacher by Malfoy. And uh, it's in a in a, in a in a potions lesson in the book, and Snape's like uh, Malfoy's like, oh, why don't you go for head teacher? We, everyone knows McGonagall's only just standing in, and like Snape loves the idea that he could be head teacher, but you would think in that later I on in the book, could be head teacher of Hogwarts. <laughs> later on in the books, McGonagall established um, J.K. Rowling establishes just how loyal to Dumbledore Snape is, and he like. Later, Dumble. I think this is just J.K. Rowling not having Snape as a good guy just yet in her mind. But later on, he's so loyal to Snape, and he would never smirk at the idea of taking his job. Well, that could have all even just been even an act. to play a role, even I'd, I'd, even to play an act. I, I don't, I don't see it. Hmm. I think it was just J.K. Rowling didn't have Snape quite being no, the good guy. That to be fair, in this in this film. There is a little moment back in the dueling scene where Lockhart's let go. Potter Weasley, come up, and and Snape says, "Oh no, Weasley's wand will will have Harry leaving in a matchbox, like it'll it'll yeah. kill him." And so he does kind of like protect Harry. No, no, he he doesn't do that to protect Harry. He does it so Malfoy can fucking blast well, was, him. With was cells. it you? Was it you, or was it Dan who told me that um, J.K. Rowling spoke to? Alan Rickman because she knew where she was up to in her head and knew what was going to happen. So told Alan Rickman from like the first film how to play um, Snape 
that he's looking okay. out for that he's looking out for Harry because he loved his mum and he's doing it in service to his mum. Was that not you? I thought no, you told me that. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. So Alan Rickman actually knew more about Snape's arc than the rest of the cast and the fans did. So I Fair reckon enough. I reckon it factors into some of the scenes at least. What about when Ginny's death is revealed in that corridor? So it's in the corridor in the film, whereas in the Instead book, of in the they're in the staff, staff room, room cupboard, yeah, like watching. And the whole kind of thing of um, Lockhart coming in and Snape goes, you were just saying yesterday you knew where the entrance to the Chamber of yeah. Secrets was all along. And he goes, okay, I'll be in my room getting getting ready. And then he leaves, yeah. and in the and it, like they all they all have the same attitude towards him anyway. But in in the in the book, McGonagall goes, "That's got rid of him." So let's <laughs> yeah. So let's come That's up with an actual him. plan. <laughs> yeah, I I always liked that um, staff room scene in the book. I liked the idea that they had a staff room, even though they've all got their own offices. But anyway, I know. Yeah, um, like what would they do in the staff room? Drink magical tea. I, I always liked that idea, but it, rereading it for this podcast with my critic's hat on. I was like, why Why did they hide in the cupboard? They've worked out what the Chamber of Secrets is. They've worked out that there's a basilisk in there because Hermione's been at them. They've, they've found a bit of paper. They know everything. Yeah, why I thought they just a few times the staff room they should have approached the staff. Yeah. yeah, explain it to McGonagall and to Snape. It's a basilisk. We've worked it out. Look. Yeah, but was, I still like the idea of the staff room, but... Although at the, the end, at the end of, of the day, I think, I think adults like that, when they don't have that reckless abandon, they'd have all that information, and the next thing they do would be like, "Okay, so what should we do next? What's the next? What's the next step?" Whereas, whereas Harry and Ron are kids, and they're like, "Well, we know what we what we want to do, so we're going to try a way to do it." So I, I guess in their heads, if they don't tell anyone, they can get it done quicker. Yeah, I, they, well, they, they are only twelve. Yeah, let's not forget they are less than half of my age. Uh, yeah, and mine. And yours, less <laughs> even less than half of your age, or more than half of your age, whichever one. Cause you're However, math. That's works. the point that I'm going for there. <laughs> that sort of leads me on from from what I've just said about I, I just not involving adults. How easy it is to work out what's in the Chamber of Secrets and where it is. Like I don't know how across fifty years Albus Dumbledore hasn't worked out where the Chamber of Secrets is and what's in it, because all Harry needs to do is think. Hmm, a girl dies in a bathroom. Let's just fucking talk to her. <laughs> Let's just ask her how she fucking died. And, and she's really willing to give that information. She's really willing to tell them how she died. And both McGonagall. She's to the fucking sink where she died. And Harry finds on a pipe a snake etched. That would have taken Dumbledore five minutes to work out. That's true. I can't believe he didn't do it over 50 years. The 50 years that he had an opportunity to find that out, and he didn't do it. Exactly. And Professor Binns and Professor McGonagall and both virgins were like, oh, the school's been searched many times. No one's found But we it. didn't look in the pipes yeah. in Mary Myrtle's a, bathroom, clearly. There's a snake in the bathroom where the child died on the, on the, on the pipe. And B... In the film, especially when they leave the Chamber of Secrets at the end, when Forks flies them out, they're obviously <laughs> yes, they're obviously like coming out. Cave. Yeah, it's an it's like a an, big open it, it's cave. A, it's an alternative entrance to the to the fucking Chamber of Secrets, <laughs> yes. which comes they out don't next go back to up the... the pipes. It's just no. some cave in the Hogwarts grounds, and then they it? can see the castle like uh, in the background. It's fucking weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so reading with my critics' head on it is a bit. It's it's a kids' book, isn't it? But yeah, but yeah, but still, it's it's an easy excuse to say that, isn't it? Cutting back slightly in Lockhart's office when he's packing to escape, when he realizes, oh, I'm out of my depth, I can't actually do this. In the film, he packs a wig. 
Does he? I didn't notice that. There's a head. No. There's a head on his desk, and he take like they come in, and he grabs a wig and puts it in his uh, <laughs> in his briefcase. <laughs> I don't a know nice whether that implies whether it's his wig or or something else. But then they 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 take him to the bathroom. Why are they so intent on them having him with them? Because he's proven. Because, because at that point, he's proven to be a hack by that thinks... point. Because he said. Everything that I've done in my books, I didn't really do. I I followed them and, and memory charmed yeah. them and claimed they, they that. They go to his office, and I think that they go to his office because at first they think, oh, he's written all these books, he's amazing. When they find out that he isn't amazing, they've still got him. They still may as well drag him along. They he's still, they're still better off with three of them than the two of them. I suppose. That's why they take him along. Yeah, I guess. That was, that's my thing behind it anyway. Well... <laughs> So, so they take him to Moan and Myrtle's bathroom. <laughs> I have a big problem with this. Because it mentions quite a lot in this one, more than the first one, that the four founders of the school, the four the four houses of Gryffindor, of, of Hogwarts, so Gryffindor, Slytherin, um, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, they were all people who were thought who got together and thought, let's make a school to teach mm-hmm. young people how to develop their magic abilities. Slytherin should not be founding any schools <laughs> when one of his main plans involves hiding a secret chamber underneath the girls' bathroom. Yeah. That is creepy so, as hell. He, um, I think he he starts out fine. He's a little bit BMP, but he doesn't bring <laughs> it up unless he's drunk, so the others are fine to hang out with him and work with him, I think. I think that's why it's fine. And then over time, as he gets older... He gets a little bit more BMP, probably to the point where he's a little bit actually National Front. He's drunk all the time. Like, oh. Yeah, he's drunk all the time. He now, joins the EDL just, and he's like, no, no, going back now. He's just walking around the corridor shouting mudbloods. <laughs> and they think, fuck, actually, no, this isn't okay. <laughs> Jokes aside, though, I think he he's fine to begin with. And then over time, he's like, no, we, we're we getting we're bringing too many people in here. It needs to be, needs to be less. But then his idea of what should our criteria is, be? Is, <laughs> should we have a tier system? <laughs> or, um, Let's grade it, the pure bloods, and we'll let them in on that basis. It's weird that his way of dealing with a, what he sees as a problem is to hide a snake in a school to kill kids. But then he is Slytherin. He is a bad guy. So maybe it isn't. It's not even that. Even before he did that, he built a secret chamber, and he, he's a resp- he's meant to be a responsible adult with you know an authority figure. And not only has he built a secret chamber with a deadly beast in it, the entrance to it is in the girls' toilets. Yeah, that is pre- assuming that, that it was a girls' toilet a thousand years ago. Predator, but let's just assume that, that it was predator behavior. The only al- <laughs> the only alternative I could come up with is that he built a nice little special chamber underneath the school, and it was like the other founders are gonna love this. Like we can keep things down here, we can throw functions down here, we can rent it out to magical to the to the headless hunt, and then we can have death day parties yeah. down there. But then he thought, oh shit, I need to connect this to the school. I'm gonna dig up like in a, like in a cartoon. <laughs> So, like, he digged up, and it just happened to come out on the girls' toilets, and he was like, guys, come and see my chair. No one can ever find out about this. <laughs> so then it became the Chamber of Secrets, because yeah, it came out it in the girls' toilets. It was originally going to be the Chamber of... Um, functions. In, in functions. The, it was going to be a social... That everyone knew about. A social chamber. It was in a girls' bathroom. It was like, shit. 
I am going to look like the bad guy now. <laughs> oh, God, I wish I hadn't got drunk and joined I, the BMP. I wish I hadn't bought this slightly larger than average snake on Magical eBay. <laughs> and now I don't know where to keep it. It's not even girthy. It'd fit in the pipes. <laughs> no, Basilisk. Oh, it's gone in the pipes again. Dave, come back. <laughs> Dave, Dave the Basilisk. <laughs> but yeah, that was a... A little bit of an oversight on who should who should be founding schools for children. Yes, not definitely so, not, not someone. Not yeah, not someone. But what's pack. weird is that a thousand years after this pedo racist guy <laughs> left the school, they still have a house. I know devoted to him, and it churns and out his evil witches attitudes. and wizards. And, it, like, it's, and everyone it, knows, it like everyone knows that like everything's not quite okay because every time like something like Slytherin-y and evil comes up, all the teachers are a bit like, "Ooh, should we do something about this?" And all the Slytherins like are like evil, aren't they? Like none of them wash; they're all greasy and all ugly <laughs> and horrible. Yeah, and like they all have like all the Gryffindors are friends with you know at least a couple of Ravenclaws and Hufflepuffs. There's not one good Slytherin who no. they who they hang out with that I can think of. There isn't a wizard that went bad that wasn't in Slytherin. Let's not start that. <laughs> I don't even know what I said. They were just words to me <laughs> with no meaning. <laughs> if you don't get that, by the way, uh, pause this. If you haven't already, go back and listen to our uh, Philosopher's Stone episode. I get confused for a good ten minutes. He is like a dog chasing his tail at the end of the, uh, of the first episode. <laughs> I also have quite a strong point that I, I was a bit annoyed at first that Ron's one broke, but it didn't really have any huge consequences. I was like, why did Ron's one break? Mm. And then you realise, when they're in the chamber, so the end of the Chamber of Secrets, which in the book is just a, a narrow chute, like a slide. Yeah. Um, the pi- a pipe that an average snake could get down, yeah, let's say. Yeah, snake. And it's basilisk size in, in, the, in the movie, so that it can get in and out of the chamber. Yeah. Um, but when they get down, which is, the... which is not so much a chamber of secrets, it's more of a cave of secrets in the film. But that's just an aesthetic choice that I didn't agree with. I saw, I saw it as that even when I was reading the book, though. But anyway, if it weren't for Ron's broken wand, the whole story of Lockhart going to a school, there was a beast, the heir of Slytherin had let hours killing mudbloods. I saved the day. Would have happened if Ron's wand was not broken. He would have done that memory charm. Made them forget, mm-hmm. and then he could have claimed that and written it in one of his books. That yeah, would that he, would that was a prime story harvest opportunity yeah, for Lockhart. In, in, and in it, the darkest timeline, that and, and if Ron's one wasn't broken, then he would have just got another book out of it. But because it was broken, it backfires on him, and they manage to actually save the day rather than him run away like he probably did in all of the other books that he wrote. Yeah, it it would. So Lockhart's plan, and I know he didn't have much time to think about the plan, so it's not a perfect plan, but his plan was to memory charm them, say that they lost their minds at the sight of Ginny's mangled corpse or something, and then, but he's, you know... But he's good at deceptively thinking it. on the spot like that, because he's done it loads of times before. And then at that point, Dumbledore goes, where's the Chamber of Secrets? Let's go down, let's finish this thing, cracks his knuckles, you know, does all his pre-war Pilates, because he's an old man, <laughs> and then goes down and fights the Basilisk, I guess, at that point. Yeah, but then that still works out for Lockhart because he could go down with Dumbledore and pretend to fight the Basilisk, and then and then memory charm Dumbledore. Yeah, and what would what would you call it? Like, because uh, it's all like ba- um, battles with basilisks. Battles with basilisks. That's a good good one. Seltzers with snakes, or um, hot mm, 
I was going to say harming the hair, but then I realised that air is a silent H, so it was like slaying, slaying Slytherin's slags. No, let's come, no up, with another, let's come up with another name. I, I think the two that we came up with first, Seltzer, Seltzer's with Snakes, and what was your one? <laughs> Battles with Basilisks. Battles with Basilisks are the better two. Okay. Done. That can be cool. our, fan, our fan fiction book written from the point of view of Gilderoy Lockhart in the Darkest Timeline. <laughs> and then in the Chamber of Secrets, the first thing that I noticed was that um, the, 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 the Slytherin statue, who I assume was Slytherin at the back, the big, like, mm-hmm. Zeusy character, in the book is described as a monkey-like statue. Yeah, it's like it's architecture from a thousand years ago, really, yeah. was my take from it, and that he looks a bit funny because it's architecture from the 1000s. I, the, the way that the Chamber of Secrets is described in the book is a bit weird. Like, obviously, it's all made... Like it's it's a it's a long corridor and then there's a door at the end that you open into this big open open room and it's with do like you not think, incredibly just, just, high. Just ceilings. before you go into the main crux of your point, do you not think that is a little bit? I only realised this like as I got to the end of the movie the other day, a little bit formulaic on J.K. Rowling's heart behalf that the the climax of the film is in the secret area of the school with a final enemy. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And then the third book kind of does similar, except in that they're in a secret. They go through a secret passage into a, a building, a house on the ground. With an, have a, yeah, have a fight with an enemy. Yeah. Um, and then in the fourth one, oh my god, this is a rabbit hole. And in the fourth one, he takes a port key, which is a magical wormhole, to go to a secret place. But oh, it's god, a graveyard, is... so you can let that one off. Yeah, anyway, we've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole there. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the way the Chamber of Secrets is described in the book and the way that it is presented in the film are incredibly different. But I think I prefer the Chamber of Secrets in the film. I do too. To the one in the in the book. The book is just like really high pillars that go up to a ceiling that you can't see and that weird statue. And it's it's just, it's strange. I could never picture it to I was, make it look I was right just, in my head. I was just seeing it as the one in the film. To be yeah, completely but, honest. And then in the, the film, it gives it its own look. Like, it's got these snake statues. Too many snakes, down the in side. my opinion. <laughs> and then the one big scary face at the end. Uh, I think I, I think I do prefer how the, the actual chamber looks, even though it's a cave of secrets on the way to the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> um, two big points I have is that Riddle in the in the book is blurry around the outside. Like he's... I'd have loved to have seen that. So would That's I. My notes. I'd have loved to... that. Would have been such a cool visual effect. And it, to, and to it becomes steadily really more, blurry and more then, solid yeah, as the time goes on. Solid. Or that maybe would have rumbled it a bit that he wasn't a real person. I guess I guess visually in a film it does kind of add to the mystery a bit. But it would have been a bit like you know Miles Morales in Into the Spider Verse, where his frame rate is lower. And it's something that you don't really notice, yeah. but then it gets higher as he becomes better at being Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, it would have been something like that. I thought it would be cool. And another thing, which also relates to Moan and Myrtle, is that uh, every time you see Tom Riddle, whether or not it is in uh, the flashbacks in the diary or whether he's in the Chamber of Secrets, have you seen the logo on his on his robes? Yeah, it's just Hogwarts. It's it? just the Hogwarts one. So it's like they're trying not to spoil it for the audience. But Moan and Myrtle also has 
just a Hogwarts logo. So either yeah. either they didn't used to have the house logos um, a thousand years ago, which I find hard to believe because I just I just feel like fifty a, years ago. A, sorry, fifty years ago. Was... I just feel like a school like that would always always have the same um, uniform because everything else yeah. is exactly the same. You know, maybe the trends change from the outside world because they spend time with muggles and stuff, but um, overall it would stay the same. But I feel like they were trying to hide from the audience. Like, if you saw that Mona Myrtle was a Slytherin, that wouldn't have made sense. If you saw she was... Um, I guess it, it was just trying to bury clues that mm. didn't need burying. You could have revealed think... you could have revealed the house of Mona Myrtle without it ruining any of the story. Yeah, you don't... I don't think you ever strictly find out what Moni Myrtle's house is. Although I did do a BuzzFeed quiz the other day that told me she was a Ravenclaw. Um, what What did you answer from the point of view of Moni Myrtle? Yeah, no, so it was like, can you guess what houses these obscure Harry Potter characters were from? And I basically got them all wrong. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. But I'm pretty certain Moni Myrtle, she's, she was either a, a Ravenclaw or a Hufflepuff. I think she was a Ravenclaw. I would say she was a Ravenclaw because she doesn't seem the kind to have a lot of close friendships or anything. And that's mm. like loyalty is like the... Um, defining factor of like the, the isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and like Tom Riddle is a Slytherin, but I guess you're, you're right in that if you go into the flashback and you see that there's a snake on his robes, they kind of hamstrung, ham, hamstrung themselves from the first film by saying the characters' houses are on their robes, and then it gets to the second film, and it's like, well, if we say that Tom Riddle is a Slytherin when we first see him, everyone's going to think he's untrustworthy straight away. Yeah, and maybe which, that he's Voldemort. I, I, I take as your point, but it does look really weird when they've got those non-sorted robes on, and it does make you think, well, why? Because the only time you see them it? in the first film is when before they're sorted and they go in to put the sorting hat yeah. on. It's just the the Hogwarts logo on their on their robes, and then presumably in Hogwarts film canon, the robes get taken in by the house elves, and the house elves stitch on the the houses or something. I don't know, or or mag- they magically or change. Yeah, yeah. But no, it is. I, I do think it would show that you don't know that Tom Riddle's a Slytherin, and thus a bad guy, because there isn't a wizard that went bad that wasn't a Slytherin. <laughs> but I would have, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him go from blurry Riddle to solid Riddle. Yeah, that but, that that was one of my notes as well. I'd have loved to, which have seen I'm sure that they probably considered effect. when they were making aesthetic choices for the film and storytelling choices. Thought, should we make him blurry? We can make then, yeah, it, it actors interact right. with Dobby in a convincing way, so like <laughs> maybe yeah. we can do this. It might not have looked right. Is one of the things you you first said. Like if they made him blurry, maybe maybe they'd have had to film the actor on a se- separate stage or on a green screen or something, and then cut around him. And it might have looked weird to have him as like the final boss. Yeah, if if he looked like that. Well, the final boss, of, like Battle of the Basilisk in the film, the. The chase scene doesn't happen, does it? He just kind of like wiggles away from him in the chamber. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm he, clo- he closes his eyes and then forks, forks takes out, scrams his, his eyes, his, uh, his his eyes. But it, again, that that didn't particularly bother me because it needs to be, it needs to look exciting for cinema. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's the final like, showdown. Just like the the Quidditch, which is a big action set piece. Just like the the flying car and the and the train. It it needs to look more exciting than how it's written. There's, yeah. There's a, a difference, I guess. No, I agree. Well, the, the tears of forks happen at a slightly different time as well. In the book, Riddle's yeah, still there, I noticed that. nearly solid. And he's like, ha, look, that 
Phoenix is crying. What a pussy. And then he goes, oh, I forgot. Phoenix tears can heal you. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very like like Scooby-Doo-esque, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Forks has the exact powers required to aid them in the Chamber of Secrets. Like earlier on, Dumbledore's like, oh, the tears have healing powers. They can lift incredibly heavy loads. Wink. And are extremely loyal creatures or something like that and then harry shows extreme loyalty <laughs> needs the phoenix tears to fix himself and needs the ability to uh to to, to bear heavy loads to get them out in, into the and open the, 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 entrance that shows the whole of hogwarts yeah in the Dumbledore cave, also the when he grass. when he's when he's saying uh hope will always be there for hogwarts for those who ask for it and then looks through the invisibility robe at Harry and Ron. Yeah. Can Dumbledore see through invisibility cloaks? Probably. In the in the book, Dumbledore says it and then looks towards I know Harry. You're and there, Harry Harry. <laughs> Harry is pretty certain that Dumbledore says it because he knows that Harry's there. In the film, it's more overt. He looks in, into the camera knows. lens, doesn't he? Pretty yeah, <laughs> he breaks the fourth wall a little bit. I know you're there, audience. <laughs> He definitely knows that Harry, uh, Harry and Ron are there anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after Riddle has fallen, but, although let's talk about the fucking Fang going quote unquote through the diary. That is terrible in the film. <laughs> it just sits on the top yeah. of the diary and some blood comes out or venom or whatever. I am. Um, and spills. I always pictured this. So the a tooth that's the size that Harry has in the film, like puncturing the diary and like an explosion of ink. Like just shooting out everywhere, not like like an artery burst, yeah, yeah, like spewing out, not the little dribble. (laughs) Oh, is the blood from the diary? Yeah, it's ink. Oh, I always assumed it was from the fang, and I was like, that looks terrible. Why would it be? Why would it be? Because it's not even going through the diary. No, it's ink. What comes out of the diary? It's not Mm, blood. It's ink. That's not very good. Then that's even worse than what I thought it was. It's all the ink that's been poured into it from Harry and Ginny, presumably. And Tom probably that's that's given the diary its power. Do you th- um, do you think also? Yeah. How do you think J.K. Rowling reverse engineered the name Tom Marvolo Riddle into? <laughs> I think it's Voldemort obviously came first. In well, yeah. I w- I would imagine, and then yeah. it was like I need to make a sentence that is also a coherent name, and obviously the middle name can be anything because it can be a magical yeah. name. Marvolo is a cool and name. It clearly was Marvolo. Yeah. But I, I think she, I think she'd have struggled because it's not just Voldemort being an anagram of his name. It's the phrase "I am, I am Lord, Lord Voldemort, Voldemort" is the anagram of his name. Uh, I reckon it took her a while to come up with that. I mean, she's obviously very good with words, so I don't think I think it probably took her less time. Es- than especially seen as how his name, Tom Riddle, it's a riddle, like it's working out. So especially that she had to work the the word riddle in. Uh, a, I did not even a, think of a that. first a first name, not Thomas, Tom, Tom, a first name that would work, and then a random collection of letters, and it had to be, a, it had to be a magical sound, an actual name. Muggle name as well, because he was yeah. like my my dad gave me his filthy Muggle name. Imagine if it didn't work, and he ended up being called Ian, <laughs> Ian Riddle, Ian Riddle, <laughs> I I am Lord Wolf. <laughs> 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 um, doesn't Harry carry Ginny out in the book? Does she not? She doesn't come too, does she? No, she does as, as soon as as soon as the diary's destroyed and Tom stops sucking her life force up. Basically, oh, she, she does wake up. up, does she? Yeah, 
I am Randy. They, they walk around. And then you get the alternative exit with folks who carries them just out into the school grounds, not even up the yeah. same path. That did you mention that the the um, or the, did we go on a banter spiral about the Probably. the destru- the destruction of the diary? So in the book, Tom Riddle sees him destroy the diary and get fixed. He sees the folks crying him and Harry be better. Uh, whereas no, that's in the afterwards, film, yeah, yeah. In the film, Fawkes cries on Harry's arm after Tom's already dead. Because yeah, it, it, it doesn't make any real difference. It's because he's already won, and he's like, "Oh, I've won now. Everyone's safe. I can die in peace." Yeah, it is more. It's more film suited. Yeah, he's like, it, I've, it doesn't I've really won, change. It's like I've won. I've won the day now. I'm the hero. It doesn't matter if I die, and then he's magically. Say obviously everyone knew he wasn't going to die unless you were only following the films and had yeah. no idea the books existed. Which well, it's, it's like believe. he's he's saved Ginny. Like Ginny wakes up and he's like, right, fine, okay, I can die now. In I can the, die happy. Whereas in the book, go on, go on Ginny, your Ginny brother's down out. the road, uh, shifting rocks out the way so you can get to safety. And then he whispers in her ear, "We're gonna fuck in six years." <laughs> <laughs> three of them and I'm going to name them all <laughs> you will have no say because you're a Weasley <laughs> and a woman we are now out of the Chamber of Secrets and it's kind of like uh, the epilogue scene isn't it where they mm. they uh, they they get all the house points that they need and stuff and yeah, they, they save the day and there's no consequences for all their rule breaking which is fine they each get their trophies for services to the school. Yeah, special, well, special which, services to the school. Which in the film just falls on deaf ears, deaf ears because that trophy does not exist. <laughs> or has at least not been mentioned. It's just like, There's, oh, uh, yeah, they got nice trophies. It's not like they get the same trophy that Tom Riddle got. In the, um, in the book, you find out why Lucius Malfoy gives Ginny Tom Riddle's diary. Can you, do you remember? I don't remember yeah. that. So, in the book... Uh, Arthur Weasley's got a Muggle Protection Act that he's trying to get through uh, the Ministry of Magic. It's mentioned a couple of times that he's got a Muggle Protection Act. Um, So Arthur Weasley plants Lord Voldemort's old school diary that he knows what it is. He knows full well what it is um, in the school to try and frame Ginny Weasley to kill Mudbloods to get Arthur Weasley's Muggle Protection Act off the books because it has ruined his career. So yeah, it would be like because his daughter bad press has killed for... his, his daughter has killed Mudbloods. Yeah, yeah, so it's bad press for him. In the film, wait, wait. So so Malfoy knew in the book that if he had this, oh, that's one of his dark materials yeah. that he has that he's worried about being found in a raid. Yeah, exactly. Oh! Yeah, exactly. Oh! Exactly. That's so it all cool. comes back together. <laughs> I had never yeah. put that together. Yeah, that's so. It, cool. it all it all makes sense then, doesn't it? And yeah. the film cuts all of that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's infuriating. That's awesome. It's really infuriating. But, he, but uh, wait, but, but he knew that if he gave that diary to Ginny, if, if, and it's a big if, she started writing it, that yeah. it would then enchant her and make her kill Mudbloods. Yeah. He knew exactly what would happen because well, yeah, he was, I guess in, it's he was involved in that's where, circle. That's where the Chamber of Secrets is. Yeah. So yeah. He, knew exactly, he knew exactly what he was doing and it was to do that. Like It was a really evil but calculated, meticulous, quite good, evil plan. In the film, he does it for shits and giggles. 
Yeah, pretty much. And it lo- it loses its impact a little bit. Although but... not not necessarily. I mean, ev- that it could be the same reason that it happens. But you never book. find out. So but, you, you could always it, say shit like mentioned. that. But you've never said. You could always say shit like that. It's always the same. There like, is. It's the same reason. But there it's... is an extended Disney edit apparently of this movie, which I was found while I was trying to find just the version of it to watch online which is, is like, it released the death day party cut i hope so it's 20 minutes longer that sounds long enough for a john cleese sketch um, <laughs> but yeah it's like 20 minutes longer i don't know and the dwarfs i don't know possibly i don't know what's included in it extra maybe rick mayo plays peeves in it <laughs> we need to find that um but yeah, that that whole debrief scene in, in Dumbledore's office. There's loads more people there in the book. Like the the Weasley parents are there. The Weasley, They're like, yeah. "Where's Jenny? Jenny comes McGonagall's in." They're like, there. "It's in McGonagall's office." Is it McGonagall's well, office? Not in Dumbledore's office. Sorry, because they don't know that Dumbledore's there. So True. they take it to McGonagall's yeah, yeah. office. He's been recalled. Oh my god, there is a fucking amazing subtle line from Richard Harris. Uh, rest in peace. When, oh, what is it? He said, "Oh, that's it." Dumbledore says. Oh, everyone was under the impression that uh, you would curse their families if you didn't sign the uh, the form to have me suspended. Yeah. And um, Malfoy says something like, how dare you? And Dumbledore just leans forward and goes, beg your pardon. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like the, the, an, a perfect mix of friendly and who the fuck do you think you're talking to? It's like... <laughs> it's yeah, it's am- like simmer the fuck down. It's Lucius. amazing. It's so good. It's like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> and he kind of like shrivels away a little bit uh, Malfoy does it's awesome but yeah that happens and then the sock scene is a bit different because I think the book's a bit sm- the, the riddle book the diary is a little bit smaller in the book because he puts it all in his sock doesn't he yeah and I, get- I pictured it as kind of like like a little pocket book yeah I do too type thing not it- the big novella and not he, even a novella, not the big novel. That he, he, gives, novel. he gives it to so. Malfoy, and Malfoy takes it out of the sock, which is all slimy from the Chamber of Secrets, throws it, throws it and then Dobby like does a whole Odell Beckham Jr. catch and <laughs> um, doesn't let it hit the ground. One hand. Um, and it's just kind of in it as like a, is it like a bookmark or something in, in the film? And he just takes yeah, it Yeah, he just little... stuffs the sock in the middle. Oh and yeah, he gives like, the whole op- book op- to him, doesn't opens he? Opens yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It opens up and then he throws the sock out and Dobby catches it. Uh, but yeah, the the method of it is different. Like he doesn't do his his hail mary for Dobby to catch it in the in the book. It's more of a in, in the film. Sorry, it's just and then like fucking Lucius Malfoy nearly whips out the old unforgivable curse on Harry. He straight up tries to. I I hate that. He straight up tries it's to so... kill a boy in a corridor. Oh, like. How does he expect to get away with that? Like mouth, like, <laughs> with Dumbledore literally like a room down, like they're on the corridor. <laughs> we spoke about Buck Malfoy being like cold and calculated, and like coming up with quite a quite a good plan that obviously fails, but comes up with quite a good plan. And then you get film Malfoy. He tries to kill a boy <laughs> in the middle of a corridor in the middle of broad daylight with a fucking witness. <laughs> yeah, Dobby's like, right there. Dobby's just there, who's just been freed, so we'll obviously testify against him in like wizard court. Oh, I whatever. Think the, the film, sorry, the book. He go, he goes, he get, gets his wand out, and he goes to kill. But he, he never sort of, it's never revealed what curse he's going to say. He just gets his wand out, and then Dobby's like, sit. He points his finger at him because I think that's where all the he goes. Comes from. I he points his pardon. finger out, and he, and he <laughs> <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> and he's like, simmer the fuck down. 
you will not hurt Harry Potter pointing his finger at him. Yeah. But he full on starts to yeah. say about a Kadabra. <laughs> Gets half the spell out. Yeah, which also is like apparent. Oh, I looked to see whether or not that spell existed yet. And the first mention of it, although it's not named, is in the Goblet of Fire. Yeah, which, which that, book had, that book had just come out, but they used it in the second film mm. in a very misguided way, but they used it. I know. I think, that, I think that's just because... <laughs> he gets half the spell out. Go- <laughs> Goblet of Fire. <laughs> and which that's came the thing, out in no 2000. One, no one interrupts him. He stops at Avada. He could have just said, Avada, Kadavra, but he goes, Avada. And Bobby goes, you will not. It's like he's going to take another dramatic deep intake of breath because they're two different words so he's like Kadavra. Avada <gasps> oh no one's gonna stop me Kadavra seriously if you don't stop me you're being just as irresponsible as me I'm gonna do it <laughs> here we go Kadavra oh thank god someone stopped me I beg your pardon <laughs> um, I've spoken about um, Black and Smokey um, nearly headless Nick but how did they unpetrify him at the end I, I don't they mention it in the book, but I can't remember. I know they said they used they used a fan to waft him to the hospital wing. Yeah, McGonagall conjures a fan, but for, I can't. Um, it it doesn't really mention how. Presumably, it's ghost mandrakes. True, you've got the whole ghost universe that we spoke about. Presumably, there. it's. I, I don't think they specifically say how they unpetrify nearly headless Nick, but I imagine. I think it's ghost mandrakes. They do. I have the book. Here. <laughs> And I'm going to have a quick cursory glance at the last few pages. Uh... Oh, also, I've just seen this. Do you remember the, 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 the page where they thought they found Percy Wankin? Yeah. <laughs> and then it, it turned out that he just was speaking to his girlfriend or something. Yeah. They were like, oh, he was like, I walked in on Percy and he was embarrassed and he <laughs> yeah. pulled his pants up or whatever he said. Um, but he'd have been in the hospital wing while doing that because his girlfriend was the Ravenclaw that gets petrified with Hermione. So he'd have been oh, in yeah, public true. in a hospital wanking next to a bed. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty Percy. Okay, so all of the exams were cancelled. Uh, Justin Finch Fletchley announces his retirement as Super Tory. Um, uh, here we go, P- Penelope Clearwater. She is the. Uh, Percy's bit on the side. The wanking target of what's a face. I'm sure it says it. Uh... No, it doesn't say. Ghost Mandrakes. Unless unless it says it earlier in the book, then we're choosing to believe it was Ghost Mandrakes. <laughs> Correct. It has to be. There's no other way. Um, only other note I have is that. Hagrid is suspected of opening the Chamber of Secrets again after not really being found guilty the previous time (laughs) and is sent immediately to Azkaban, which sounds like one of the worst places in the world. Do they not have, like, a lesser prison for wizards? For ones ones guilty of, like, like galleon forging or something like that? Like a, a, like, um, what, what, uh, like a minimum security wizard jail? Because it is just like, oh, you do anything wrong, straight to Azkaban. Yeah, this like one size fits all approach to justice in in the wizarding like the, world sounds problematic the, uh, at that best. Is he Venezuela? Is he Venezuelan? The guy from Parks and Rec, straight to jail, <laughs> right away. <laughs> right that's what jail. that's what the wizarding world is like. It's yeah. like you do anything, straight to Azkaban, right you, away. You get found paying in uh, too many galleons at the shop, right to jail, right away. <laughs> 
You get found using an owl who is too old. Right to jail. <laughs> it's like Errol. Wearing the wrong Hogwarts robes. Right to jail. <laughs> right away. <laughs> Believe it or not, jail. <laughs> <laughs> Undercooked pumpkin soup. Believe it or not, jail. Right to jail. <laughs> <laughs> you overuse confetti on bacon. Right to jail. Right away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a new... This is a new meme format for us. <laughs> um, and my ma- my ending one is the fact that the movie ends on the whole school applauding ha- Hagrid. Yeah. And no one really has that bond to Hagrid other than the main three people. I know. And Harry, Ron and Hermione. That was a strange point to end the film on. Even Hagrid looks confused. He's looking around going, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm going to bow Who are now. these people? <laughs> who are all of these students who know who I am? I don't know who I don't know who half of you are. Have you any other notes that you have missed off? Any other points no, you wish to make? I think we've we've done pretty much all of all of my notes. Yeah, I managed to, I managed to mention everything. I think. And we've ended season yeah. two with a classic um, over two hour episode, which we have not. Well, done it's it's still shorter season. than the film at this point, though. It is, to be fair. So which if is you two and a half hours or something in it. You don't have the longest film. Two hours forty, I think film. it was. It was so long. Over stuff. I, I looked at the runtime. I was trying to fit it in in the middle of the day when I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to watch it today." And I was like, "What's the runtime? Two hours forty. Fuck me. <laughs> I do not remember it being that long at all. No, I I don't remember it. But I I always remember it being because it it's it's at this point where they start to actually cut things out. Yes. Like in Azkaban and going forward, things like big big things actually get cut out. We mentioned it earlier that Philosopher's Stone crams everything from the book in and it still works. Chamber of Secrets crams pretty much everything from the book in and it, it doesn't... Suffers a little bit, big, yeah. bloated and, and it, it makes one of the shorter books the longest film by quite some way. Yeah. So which one did you prefer? The film or the book of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets? I prefer the book... Which I don't think anyone will have will be surprised about, but my my opinion towards the film changed a little bit. In that I used to like not mind it. I used to think it was one of my favourite films, but having watched it this time, I didn't enjoy it as much as I remember enjoying it. It's too long. It's too bloated. There's. I feel the same. I I didn't enjoy it. The film. Anywhere near as much. I remember really liking the film, and then I was watching this mm. time, and I was I was waiting for it to after like the first hour or so. I was like, "How long's left?" And I was just I was waiting yeah. for it to finish. Like I, it was okay. Like I, I was still watching it and kind of vaguely enjoying it, but I, mm. I more than anything wanted it to be over. I was just, I was just watching it for the notes for this for this yeah. podcast. <laughs> I feel like I enjoyed the book less as well. Um, oh, I loved the book. I feel like it's it's probably one of my least favorite. Harry Potter books I think it's kind of always been that but I think it's now probably definitely my least favourite Harry Potter book and it's not because it's bad like even a bad Harry Potter book is still a good book but it's probably like it used to probably be like a seven and a half out of ten now it's probably like a six and a half out of ten in my brain now I liked the book I'm always pleasantly surprised I very rarely reread books and I've only just now got like realising the merit of it especially if it's a long time yeah. later um, and the yeah, like I only realised that whole Lucius Malfoy motive thing at the end of reading it for this. 
like you know how he's trying to stop that Muggle Protection Act and stuff. So yeah. rereading books, there's there is a merit to it. People, <laughs> do it now. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed, and especially because it's so short. And whilst I love reading big books, I have to really be into it. And sometimes there are slow bits. But when you've got like a what's this, like a two hundred and fifty page book, and you can sit down and know you'll read it in like four sessions. And yeah, it's mm. a kid's book, but it doesn't stop it being any more engaging. And I was a kid when I first read it, so I still have that tie to it. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I way preferred the film. No, sorry, the, the book. Film. The book. The book. <laughs> I way prefer the book. The film. I, I, I gave you a second or two. I was like, is it gonna? Is it a mistake? <laughs> I'm going to have to query it. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm three beers deep, and I have decided that I prefer the book. But happy season day, uh, premiere. No, happy season finale of season two, Peter. Yes. Daniel, cheers over our webcams. Cheers. We will have to, have to see if the incredibly handsome and charismatic board of Tell Me Again renewals for season three. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And seeing as lockdown... Think hopefully, we can, um, hopefully we can get in the same room. Partially lifted from Monday. So by the time this episode comes out, we'll be uh, pubs will be open outside. Not that we can record outside and talk about um, pervy school founders in the open. <laughs> but... No when you think about that we started this podcast to get through the monotony of lockdown mm. and now lockdown is nearly over and we've done two seasons 14 Four, episodes were the nice round number of 14 episodes but yes yeah. we will be back <laughs> soon if not for season 3 which we'll hope will almost definitely happen at some point when we've Settle back into real life again. We yeah, have, we we do have some ideas for specials in the meantime, so you will not definitely miss our lovely voices annoying you. You're gonna hear our dulcet tones, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so all of do you know all of you people listening in the UK with us in the USA, which is our second biggest listener base, and Israel which is our third biggest listener base. Wow. Did, did you know that, Peter? I did not know that. So we to... shouldn't have made all those Holocaust jokes earlier, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you should have warned me. We did not. We merely <laughs> mentioned Hitler. So to all of our Israeli fans, hello. All of our American fans, hello. All of our UK fans, enjoy the pub when they open soon. Woo! And everyone else. So, Pete, how should I end the show? Uh, you should end the show. Um, I thought I actually thought about it this time, although only for about ten seconds while you were talking. Then I was like, "Shit, I need to think of a way for him to end the show." I would like you to do your best Dobby impression mm. and uh, key us into the the gap between series series two and three. Should it be related to to the fact that it's an end of season thing? Yes, absolutely. I don't know what to say. I can do Dobby, but I just can't think of what to say. So yeah, I've set myself up now. I've said I can do Dobby. This is going to be a shit Dobby. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> Master will see you in season three, Harry Potter. <laughs> that was not good. Well, it's staying in.